This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. There's up in Alaska. Testies. Yeah. Remember One, right. yeah, two, yeah. That, three. Burnout. It's not a podcast until she says that, by the way. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, you, no, it's you know, and I mean, you got <coughs> Guy Harvey's a huge proponent for shark conservation, and everybody sees Shark Week. <laughs> shark Week doesn't help. Doesn't and, help you know, at all. No, man, it's sharks are all important. You know, until you know, to the people in Ohio, they're watching Shark Week and living vicariously through us, right? <laughs> you know, sure. But but it's uh, I, I mean, everybody loves sharks. You know, another thing too is like in our area here. We obviously feel it differently than they do in other parts of the planet. Of course. You know, because this is really a heavily concentrated area. Right. You know, you can't, it's almost like talking like, all right, you want Manhattan to make the rules for the rest of the country? You know right, what I mean? You right. can't because they live differently there. Yep. It's a different jungle there. It's a different jungle right. here in our water. It's, I it's mean, just I, not the I same. Don't, I don't know about whitetail management in, in anywhere. Right. And they don't know about shark management. And, you know, it becomes a <clears throat> conservation issue because us as a limit-oriented species, we are going to try to catch our limit of fish. Yeah. And so if we lose 15 in pursuit of a 10-fish limit, well, now we've kept 25 fish, which is a conservation issue. Now we're dealing with catching twice, three times your limit every day that you go if that's what you do all the time mm -hmm. i mean you know yes i'm guilty of losing cobias and i'm guilty of losing permits and and kingfish and i haven't had a sailfish eaten yet but i know lots of people who have well the you guys that sit on some of the wrecks and just hook permit after permit after permit and they all get eaten by sharks yeah and if they're not eaten when you catch them when you release it they're eaten 30 feet from the boat right and uh, you know it's just like they don't get it that they're just feeding the sharks and killing fish. They're just fish. feeding the sharks and they're territorial. It's like once they're well, there, they're not going to leave. Well, as long as they're being they fed, they're not going to go anywhere. They've figured out that they hang around with the wrecks where right. the other fish are. Fishermen go to the wrecks to catch fish. Sharks figure out that 
there's a bunch of hurt fish coming from the little floating things. Yeah. You just hang out. Sub- down in the yeah. submarine off Key West. Yeah, God. We would go down there and chum with live pilchers. And we used to catch blackfin tunas. You know, we had everything come up by the boat. Wahoo, sailfish, blackfin tunas, bonitas, you know, all kinds of things. Jacks. <laughs> yeah, jacks, all kinds of everything, stuff. But we yeah. mostly it's the blackfin tuna. And, you know, you'd, you used to be able to catch them on fly and stuff like that where it took a little while. Now, like Crossit goes down, they fish with 30 or 40 pound braid, drag crank down as much as you can, hooks the tuna, you'll land the first one. You might land the second one and you'll lose the third one and you will never land another. You look down, there's four or 500 pound sharks just circling around right under the boat. They don't even chase them. <laughs> they yeah. don't even chase the fish anymore. No, they're just They waiting. just sit there and wait for the fish to come back to the boat and then they eat it. And they don't even go get the fish on the end of your string. No, no. They, they just, just sit, sit around the boat until that fish comes into the window and bang, yeah. it's game on. You know? you know, they don't have to work for them anymore. And, you know, you pull up with an engine, the engine's running, and you look well, down they hear and the you noise. go, well, here they are. The you noise. know, and we did They've this, been trained. We did the same yeah, thing in Marty Arostia. dog, you know. With Marty Arostia, we went out to the Everglades. To, he likes to catch just fly fish for all the little brim and the guapotes and the peacock bass mm-hmm. and all the silly ass little the exotics and all that exotic things yeah. it's fun it's just you know nice little light five weight fly rod but boy we had two like nine ten foot alligators as soon as they saw that boat they came up and sat right next to us the yeah. whole time they yeah. just never left the boat and they would go after every fish that came in uh chasing it around you pulling it away from them and stuff but they just knew that that boat has fish these are alligators they're the dumbest fucking things on the planet right you know yeah, they 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 but know. They're a predator. Yeah, but they've been yeah. around a hundred yeah. million years, so they, you got to give yeah, them credit. Yeah, but they but they know that that boat means hurt right, fish. exactly. Right, yep. you know somehow yep. they floated. They got the boat. I, get, I got pictures of Marty just standing on the back of the boat, and the alligators looking at him. saying, you got any food? You know, yeah, you know, give me another fish. Give me another fish. I missed <laughs> right, the last. Right. <laughs> well, listen, man. Thank you guys for coming on the show. It's our pleasure. Right. We're um, not on it yet, are we? We're on it. We're, we're on rolling. it. Yeah, we're rolling. We're oh. rolling. Yeah, we, that's, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, listen, this is what we do. We just hang out. We drink right. some rum. We just shoot the shit and, and you know, and there we are. You know, there it's, you it's, it's not rocket science. I think, listen, at the end of the day, we're going to solve all the world's problems. I'm, I'm convinced of it. You know, and we're going to do it. You know, no, let's in, not in, in go a, there, please. No, we're, <laughs> I think we already did for, for right. about an hour or so before the show. Anyway, um, so I want to welcome you guys both to the Connected by Water podcast. Powered by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and fueled by our very good friends at Papa's PLR Room, who remind you never to be a spectator. I am here with my good friends, Rufus Wakeman, Pat Ford. Now, Rufus is not a stranger to the show. You are a legend, my friend. Thank you for coming on very early on in this endeavor and supporting me in this, whatever we're doing here. I don't know. Whatever it is, we've done it for, what, 154, 153 episodes, something awesome. like that. Awesome. Congratulations. This is 154, yeah. So wow. uh, we're, we're still kicking. That's Some, impressive. Some, somewhere there. Well, we couldn't really do it without the support of Joey and, and Papa Spilar right. and Mike Myatt and right. Stephen Groth and all those guys who really helped us keep the lights on. So thank you to them. And the support of Carlene, the world's best bartender, who informed us before we started on the show that she had a BB stuck in her ass for the last 38 years. <laughs> wow. So that you learn something new every day. Lucky right? BB. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I'm not Lucky sure how to BB. segue into that. <laughs> what? It wasn't stuck in my ass, number okay. one. Okay. It was I, in my thigh. Okay. So there's not been many things that have been stuck in my ass. Okay. But, um, no, I was about four years old and my brother shot me with a BB gun. We were talking guns earlier and, you know, it just kind of happened. You grew up in the 80s and 
37 something years later you grow up in the 80s and you get shot that's it, just how well, it is. i just wanted to figure out like why it never came out i got kids now and if my daughter said she got shot with a bb you'd kind of want to assess the situation not wait till i had to go get an mri 37 years later and i couldn't go to the doctor's appointment because i've got a magnetical pull you know all right so but it's out now and uh feeling free very liberating. Yeah, we all yeah. feel better for you. <laughs> well, that's you've seen the video of my ass and Phoebe, yes. Yeah, we, we're going to have to put that up later. Oh, man. And Pat, great. literally, I mean, we talked about this. I've been a big fan of yours for, for so long. I mean, someone someone artistically that I've looked up to for the longest time. Really honored that you're here. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks Thank for you so much me. for being here. Took you 154 um, casts to ask me to come up here, but Took me 154 uh, episodes to get the balls to ask you to come on the show, so. Okay. Thank you, thank you very much for for coming on. Um, the proper introduction for you, for people that don't know you, that may be listening to the show or watching the show on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, you're a master photographer. That's how a lot of people know you. But you have pedigree beyond belief in this industry, and um, yeah. And we talked about your involvement with the Golden Fly earlier which i think is up there with the most respectable thing that you could ever achieve in this industry with with your role in, in that tournament um you know you're part of the papa's family uh, we love you dearly and in case you don't know if you just look on the cover of most magazines every month multiple month multiple covers every month for god knows how many years yeah. straight um that's pat ford so thank you yeah. very much for being here what did yeah. didn't you have two or three covers last month? I had four, four, four last four, month. Four, <laughs> and you and you've had four numerous times. Which, which is one was in a magazine in France, which really freaks me out. Really, it's all right. Yeah. Hey, you're reaching you know. the world. Yeah, yeah. you know, no, nice. it's fun. That's what I like. I love love the covers. Yeah, you, your work's yeah. impeccable and phenomenal. And artist, artist, I'm just so happy mm-hmm. that you're here. So thank you very much. And and Rufus, it's always like. I mean, when do we not talk and we just go on exactly. for like two hours straight? I so, I mean, this it, it's a shoe and home run. You guys, the reason that you're both on the show at the same time is you both just took a trip to the Galapagos Islands, right? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of your many adventures that you guys had there. I thought it was really, really interesting, some of the things that you had to say um, after the trip. We're going to talk about that. We're definitely going to talk about some conservation issues, the state of our state, and, you know, and your guys' role in that. You know, in particular. Um, real quick, though, I have to bring up um, our Starbright Do-Gooder of the Week. So I'm going to get that teed up real quick. So every week we have we feature our Starbright um, Do-Gooder of the Week. And Corey and Derek Redwine, um, they nominate um, someone in our industry that's doing good, that's, you know, an ambassador or steward of the environment, and that's just being – just doing the right, right thing. Exactly. I mean, we want to celebrate it as something special, but we really like to say this is just something common that everyone um, should be doing. So uh, this week's do-gooder is uh, locals who clean the river kind of closer up to near you guys in the Indian River is Johnny Jessica there uh, with his daughters, Cameron and Carly. So thank you guys very much for being our Starbright do-gooders of thank the you. week. And you win the whole $200 bucket full of salt off and you know, the wash down, the reggae sponge and all the great environmentally fen- uh environmentally friendly but very effective products by Starbright. So Perfect. thank you very much. So anyway, Galapagos Islands. Pretty cool. You've been there before though, right? Yeah. Right. Actually, Rufus and I went years and years ago and the trip was a disaster. Oh my really? God. It was absolutely the trip from it hell. It was horrific. We, <laughs> we had, uh, Tim Choate set it up when he was just sort of trying to get into the, the Galapagos fishery. They sort of just opened it up to okay. sport fishing. 
And he set this trip up, and it was a disaster. The boat was terrible. Half of it didn't work. It was we were on the wrong island. Yeah, uh, you were yeah. explaining that to me before. There's yeah. like there's a right on. It's not there's just a, there's like, a right island. It's not and a just wrong going island. to the Galapagos and fish. No, no, like, you, you got to go be San right Cristobal. Yeah, San okay. Cristobal is the way out of fish. We were at uh, Santa Cruz or Santa Rosa. San, San, San Isabella. Yeah, San Isabella. Yeah. And uh, the town was Santa Rosa. So anyway, Could be, yeah. we were there, and. Uh, um, this is a long story. The uh, We get there, and the captain comes up and says, hey, Pat, you know, hey, I've heard you were coming. It's great. He says, why are you here now? And I go, what? He says, why are you here now? I said, because when Choke told me to come. Right. He says, oh, well, this is only good like five days before the new moon or after the new moon, and you're on the opposite. So there's no fish. Wow. So, so I'm going, okay. And then, he, then I said, but Tim said that if there were no fish here, that we could go over to San Cristobal because there were fish over there. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, sure, well, fine. Well, let's go out today and we'll fish around and see what we can come up with. And if it's no good, we'll go over to San Cristobal. We'll leave early in the morning, fish all day, overnight in San Cristobal, fish all day, drive back. So everything will be good. Right. So we get, we uh, we catch nothing. I think we saw one fish or something. We caught nothing. We come back and he's, I'll get you set up in San Cristobal. So we see him at dinner and he's got a problem. Uh, the president of Ecuador is touring the islands, and he's in San Cristobal, and they booked the entire hotel. Back in these days, like 2000 or something. It's the, the only hotel, really, that was decent. So you can't go. Okay. So we, we drove around Frogwater for two or three more days. Yeah. And caught, like, one marlin or something or another. And uh, we caught nothing. So and we were staying in a place that was an eco-lodge. Yeah. Don't ever go to an eco-lodge. Right. Eco Big mean, red flag. Eco <laughs> means no air conditioning. Right. <laughs> yeah. In the tropics, you don't want to go to an eco-lodge. In rainwater, probably, yeah, right? probably. Yeah. And there's a, remember, there's a sign in there that says, don't worry, most of the bugs aren't poisonous. Come on. Right. Yeah, in the, in the room. And uh, <laughs> this was a really great trip. Um, so anyway, we get back and um, the president of the IGFA, Rob Kramer, was over in San Cristobal, and he was coming back the day we were going. So he and I were talking about the trip. So I get back, he calls us, says, how was your trip? I said, it was terrible. He said, really? He said, we had two boats that fished for, you know, like eh, three quarters of a day, two days. We took the hooks out of 123 marlin in San Cristobal. Yeah. And we saw like two it was, in it was four really days bad. over at the other place. I mean, the highlight for, for, for me was I looked at the left flat line, and there was a... I don't know, six or seven hundred pound sea lion under it. <laughs> you know, I got yeah. real excited and, and oh God, and then, you know, I see the fins go like this, you know, because he's underneath the bait just swimming along and, and we're pulling lures. And right. it, it was uh, it was interesting, but I, I will say that it is a magnificent area. You know, being a World Heritage UNESCO type site, right. it's all protected and the wildlife's fantastic. You know, we all grew up seeing the big tortoises and the marine iguanas and the blue-footed boobies. So there's a certain allure to that Boobies. just by itself. Yeah, you can look at postcards and see that, though. Ah, we yeah. were down there for the marlin, <laughs> we and we didn't get any. But right. anyway, now, you know, so wait, you got to be now like, flash forward you got to be like years. an Ecuadorian citizen yes. to like yes. live there. They so. even have a boat there. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, to even and have you a can't boat even there. bring a boat in. And if you do bring a boat in, you got to stop 40 miles offshore. Right. And like show them on your plotter where you stopped and drifted because you got to scrub the bottom. And they're very, very adamant. And you're only in, and it's like 20 grand to stay there for a, 
whether it's a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month, it's like twenty. It's like one number. Mm-hmm. You're gonna pay twenty grand. This is what Javier was telling us, and I'm like, well, that's kind of out, you know. And I can't imagine coming here. And most of the boats are outboards; they're four strokes, and because the diesel gas is so bad. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, flash forward. My friend Javier Guevara has set yeah. up this Ecuador fly fishing tours company, right. and I've been to a couple of his peacock bass lodges and stuff, and. And he said, I'm setting up operation in the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. I said, good, I'm in. You know, uh, I don't know what was going on. But you're be in, you're in get... even though you had this shitty trip. Well, yeah, he, oh, was, yeah. he was in San Cristobal. Right, we're in San Cristobal. So you, in... want, you, you just feel like you need to, like, read Redemption. Yeah, trip, this right? was well, Redemption. I wanted to go. I mean, yeah, he, said, right. he says, I got it figured out. And I said, what kind of boat are we in? He said, oh, it's custom made in the islands. I'm going, oh, God. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an eco-boat. Yeah, it's an eco-boat. So, I, well, anyway, we get there, and it's 38 feet. It's got three outboards on it. It's fabulous. I and, want I want a half a dozen of them. Yeah. I really? mean, it's the most comfortable 38-foot outboard. I mean, it's Spartan. It's not Bristol. It's not Teak. It's not. Yeah. It, it's pretty stripped down, but my God, the boat's attractive. It performs really well. Now, here's the gig. He's got triple 200s. So he's got 600 horsepower on a 38-foot boat. The center engine is bolted straight <laughs> and has no steering attached to it. And this one has a ram, and this one doesn't. And the tie beam, the tie, you know, the tie rod goes I'm like sold. this, and then down and underneath the other engine, up and into this engine, and everything's just a little loose, you know. There's no bushings <laughs> or anything, but it works fine. And when you get there, he shuts the center engine off. But it's a 38-foot outboard with a flybridge. It's big really open nice. cockpit, nice little comfortable benches inside, no yeah. air conditioning, but very fun. I was very surprised. And Rufus, yeah. you know, I, he had the same reaction. It's a what? I mean, unlike yeah. it's built in the islands. What can you build in the islands? Right. But anyway, yeah. so we get there. I mean, surprisingly nice. And we get there the first time, and, and these guys had never fly fished. You know, the captain had never fly fished before. And uh, uh, they had a, Javier brought a mate from Guatemala who knew the rigging and knew the teasing and stuff, and he was a big help. And uh, but the captain had no clue of how to fight a fish on a fly rod. Right. And these are 200 pound striped marlin on a fly rod. And he'd be going all different directions. It was a little, a little hard landing anything. The first right. Trip. Well, they, they got it down. I well, mean, they got it then, down because the, right. this year they were perfect. You, you, they were you, just you went perfect. back. So this was your third trip back. Third trip with Javier. Yeah. Right. Right. So it was my first trip. And I've got to say it was fantastic. And then after us, Laura Jessen, Team Fish Tank, mm-hmm. which is a huge name yep, in the fishing industry. For sure. Her and her crew, well, her and her husband, I guess, or whoever she travels with. I'm, I, I don't really, I've never met Laura, so I can't really say. But they came in, they did well, went back. Then Bill Pino came in from Squid Nation. Right. He had his week, and then Laura came back again, and they had fantastic fishing. They Bill had, went after you guys went on this yeah, last trip? Yeah, but right? Bill's been I there talked a few to Bill, times. I talked to Bill a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he, I think we actually got a, a question teed up from Bill here today to ask you guys, but... Cool. Yeah. They we, just, I got a text from uh, Javier. They released 23 marlin a couple of days ago. Yeah, really? Cool. We were there for five days of fishing. We raised 147 marlin, but one day we only raised 10. Mm-hmm. So we had 137 marlin in four days of fishing. That's, yeah. a, lot of, that's a lot of marlin. Yeah, that's and a lot. they were hardly any under 200 pounds. Yeah, the biggest one we got was probably 275 or at least. Yeah. You and know. you landed how many on fly? I don't know. We weren't counting. Weren't yeah, counting. Rufus released 143, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, we, we, I mean, they're a very, 
there are very there's so much food there that they charge the teasers. It looks really good. You know, you switch into neutral, you throw the fly, and where's the marlin? He's gone. And Javier's got a lot of underwater footage of them, and they just fade out. Yeah. You know, they come paddling up, and then boom, they just drop off. Right at that moment, maybe when the pitch of the engines changes or something. But when you get a hot one and you get the fly in the water, it's game on. I mean, they're head and shoulders out of the water, piling on it. It's everything you want in a fly bite. Yeah. You know? And they're big fish. They're big fish. But the trolling with the outboards is totally different than trolling with your normal sport fisherman. Right. Um, the prop wash is a lot more. So we had problems with the popper flies because they get you know, lost in the prop wash and stuff right and also when you get all right take the boat out of neutral you know your sport fisherman it'll, it'll cruise along take it for out about, of gear yeah you take it you're... yeah take it into neutral out of gear they'll uh you know it'll glide along for 50 or 100 yards practically right. <laughs> take the outboard out it stops you know, i mean if yeah, you're right, about yeah. 10 feet it stops if you're going up sea it's almost you're going backwards by the time you're throwing the fly yeah I mean, and, and that that fish has to be hooked before, that that fish before has to be really it's got to be before the it's end right, of the year right, for it to know. be really a caught on fly it's it, it's right? a difficult procedure period just to do the bait and switch with a fly yeah and then when you you know put a few different little obstacles in the way it becomes even weirder mm-hmm. you know it's still a lot of fun and i'd rather do that than drop a bait back and you know, it's right. just to me, it's the ultimate game. I mean, we're using a leader that's that big. It's 12 inches long, mm-hmm. then into 18, 20 inches, a 20 pound tippet, and then the rest of your butt section and your fly line. And it's, you know, God, I mean, you know, you got to measure all this crap. And, you know, I do it all home and bring it down there. And I got, you know, 25 flies ready to go. And, and if I don't have the right stuff, then I'm feverishly putting stuff together. And, hey, you got a, you know, you got a, a yardstick? No, well, we only deal with meters down here. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but it just adds a lot of, it's, you know, fly fishing for billfish or fly fishing, period. If you do it by IGFA rules, and if that matters to you, that some organization has put a set of parameters in place that make this really difficult a 12 inch leader you're throwing at something with an 18 inch or two foot spike on his face right that all he's got to do is go like that to your to your tip of class and it's over and you know so i've always tried to all the billfish i've ever caught with the exception of two have been on IGFA class tippets just because I prefer to do it that way. Which do yes, you? it's more work. Uh, I mean, I've caught them on eight pound. I've caught them on four pound. I've caught them on sixteen and twenty. But I, I like the knots. I like to know that I have nine knots between my first hook and my fly line. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of preparation, a lot of mental playing games and doing it, and bringing spare stuff with you and. It's just, I find that to be the allure of it for me. A lot of people don't care. They're just going to tie 80 pound or 100 pound to the fly and let it rip. And that's cool too. That's fishing with fly tackle, not necessarily fly fishing. There's a little bit of a difference. It's just, you know, it's it's just how you want to be. I know when I put my head on the pillow at night, I go, God, I caught two today on, on regular IGFA stuff, man. And that's great. You know? Sure. You know, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, when you, I mean, 
you get to the level of fishing that you guys have been through. I mean, you kind of look at it that way, don't you? I do. I, I mean, you, you, I mean know? you guys have caught so many fish that are across your lives in every way possible. I just want pictures you of them now. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> right. doesn't even care. Well, that's I don't the thing. Care. I'll catch one fish in the morning. Okay, I'm done. Well, I'm going to get my camera and everybody right, else to go exactly. to work. Exactly. I, I, I got a story from the Seychelles. Talk about IGFA fly records. Um, first time I went to the Seychelles Islands, we're on a boat, we're leaving Farquhar, and we're heading up to Providence. And the guy say, hey, bring all your tackle out. We'll get you all rigged up, get it ready out. So I show up and I've got a whole handful of 20 pound IGFA tarpon leaders with 60, 80 pound shock tip. This is way back when. <laughs> and so I'm spreading it all out and everybody's laughing at me. I'm going, why? What's so funny? So you can't land a, a giant trevally on that outfit. I said, well, I've caught some pretty big fish on these IGFA things. Nah, nah, you, see, you can't catch a GT. As soon as it hooks it, it heads to the first carl head and it'll break you off every time. I said, well, what do you guys use? He goes, well, you straight 100 pound right to the tippet, right from the fly line to the fly. Right. I'm going, okay, uh, you must break a lot of rods. And, oh, yeah, we break a lot of rods, yeah, break yeah. a lot of fly lines. The problem with not using a tippet is you can't break something off. You right. know, you're going to break the fly line right, or you're going to exactly. break the backing or something and you, <laughs> it gets bad. So, anyway, there's a a photographer writer over in London named Matt Harris, who's a buddy of mine. And it's the first time I met Matt. So he comes over and he looks at all my little leaders and stuff. And he's a very good fisherman. Act, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so he says, Oh, Patrick, these are wonderful. These are all tied to IGFA specifications. Right. <laughs> and I go, yeah. He says, you know what IGFA means out here? And I go, no. He says, it means it got fucking away. <laughs> <laughs> and I there's said, a lot of truth okay, to that. Okay, there's a know? lot of truth for that. So yeah. if they want to catch something, they have a different set of rules. That's I mean, funny. I remember sitting on the top of the boat that night with uh, Timmy Babbage and those guys when you and I went back a few years later to the Seychelles mm -hmm. and Keith Rose Innes and, I mean, Arno Matei and... Mm -hmm. and uh, these guys are bringing up this little splice gig with that Gouda broad sort of mm -hmm. braided mono and, you know, whipping off the ends. And they're literally taking 130 and butting it up to the fly line and pulling everything tight and whipping it off and gluing it. And, and they got this nice little splice about that long, so it'll go into the guides and, you know, whatever. And, I mean, literally, it's 130 pound right to the fly. Wow. And it, it's just... Okay, and these GCs are go. getting them. I mean, when in Rome, do They're what they them. do in Rome. Yeah, until the fly line breaks. And right. you got to yeah. start out with a new breaks. fly line and everything you know, else. I mean, I call one's probably 60 pounds, 50, 60 pounds, and 18 inches of water. He catches one 100-plus pounds that takes him from the shore break out there and back. You know, I mean, I was waiting when I caught mine. He was in a boat, and the one, it's just enormous. It's, it's a hell of a fish. So. Oh, God, yeah. there's... It, it's so really? cool. And, and they've got some now with all the technology and the GoPros and all this stuff. They got some bites on fly of these things that are underwater bites. The things eat you know? birds. I know. They eat they, birds. They, they eat, they're a, you know. If you can imagine a 100-pound Jack Creval, that's what a, a right. GT is. Right. And maybe a little meaner because they're they're bigger. But they're uh, the one that I hooked, we were floating around in a little, little eddy inside yeah. the break by an island and we could see him surfing over the sandbar in the waves and uh, we caught a couple and i said right, i'm waiting for a big one so finally the guy said okay get ready here and these three come in over the wave and they're huge you know they're like they're giants they're like this yeah they're <laughs> it was 118 centimeters to the fork right or something wow. like that so so it comes in and i throw a fly i hook it and i go oh god what have i done you know so it just takes off 
and it just goes through the surf. So we have to follow it, not a little boat through the surf. And it goes out, way out over this, I guess 30 feet of water, nothing with Carl, mm-hmm. all around. All it had to do is go down and it would cut me off instantly. So it gets past the Carl, and now you drop off to about a thousand feet of water. So I'm standing out here, and I've got this giant Cavalli in the Seychelles. What is it, like an atoll? Yeah, 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 Providence, yeah. Atoll, yeah. they're yeah. all atolls. And now I'm in God knows how much bajillion feet of water, and this thing is straight down. I'm going to be here for four hours, pull it up. Yeah. So about 20 minutes, the thing comes up to the surface, looks around, swims back in, all over the coral, the 30-foot of coral, over the surf break again, and we landed right in the same little lagoon that I Come landed on. in. I mean, it was like, this This thing is nuts. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they are an incredible fish. I mean, they're, you know, there when, uh, when you get on the boat... You know, you get in the dinghies to go out to the mothership to leave mm-hmm. here there at Farquhar. They're all up in the shallows, and they're jet black. Right. They're black trevallies. I mean, they, you could call them black trevallies. They just appear to be completely black. And, you know, they'll take like a 12-pound or 15-pound tuna or something and throw it in the water, and it's just boom, and it just eviscerates. I mean, this, this tuna is gone in three seconds, four mm-hmm. seconds. These trevally just eating it, and there's a big red spot in the water, and it's just I mean, talk about a vicious fish. Yeah. You know, Chris Sheeter figured out how to catch the records. Yeah, he got about an over in Midway a bunch. He got a whole, Midway, he and Mike yeah. got a lot of them. Yeah. We had Mike on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, great um, God. Yeah, and he, he, yeah, that was such a great episode. And he, he got a lot to talking about Tasmania yeah. and Africa, like, you know, yeah. doing Eastern Africa and, and all that. And it's just yeah. the stories he had to tell about the swordfish <laughs> that oh, he was God. catching off. The, yeah, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal stuff. I mean, I don't know what episode was. Episode 140 something. But yeah, you got to. Yeah. If anyone wants to hear about that, please go back and listen. Yeah, to that. he does the really Guatemala stuff. thing for a few months, and then he jumps on a ship right. and goes around the world. And yeah, he does like the merchant marine thing. And yeah, and he's, he's like one of the really few guys that, that's guy. got like God. I can't remember what he's. He's got like all those all his licenses for all those big. Yeah, big, like you know, Master Unlimited, all right, ocean right. stuff. Yeah, it's like one of the few guys that yes, have like all yes. of it under his belt. Yeah, um, one of my instructors at FIT who signed off in 1985 on my first application for my first captain's license was a gentleman named Captain Justin Pasternak. And his license was Master Unlimited All Oceans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he ran 1,000-footers or 900-foot tankers, you know, right. and just the nicest guy. He took, caught, taught Two classes at, at our school at Florida Institute of Technology, the Ralph Evanrude School of Marine Technology. Right. That's I called in Jensen it, Beach. Isn't I, it? Right. It yeah. used to be. I called it Club Tech. Right. You know, <laughs> it was great. I mean, I had a, if I stood on my desk, I could see the water from my dorm room. So it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot and had a lot of fun, but he was a great guy. And just my, to have that endorsement on my first license application was great. Yeah, it's cool. My sister studied marine biology at that institution for a cool. while there, like yep. back in the 80s so yeah it was, yeah so yeah she folded up in 80 august of 85 yeah and i think i got out uh i got out in march of 85 okay i got my two-year degree and bailed you know i want to talk a little bit about and to bring it back to the glop a little bit because i want to investigate that a little bit more because you guys Perfect. you guys brought up javier 
Yeah. Right. And I want to talk about Javier for a little bit because he seemed like a really interesting operation that he's got going. Like you said, he's Chicago based. He's right? he's born in Ecuador, lives in Chicago. He was educated in Chicago. Right. Lives in Chicago, but he's getting ready to move back down to. Quito, and he runs he and he runs these operations he runs down there. The and oper- I thought that was really the and most he's interesting got another thing. One in Colombia. That the guy's kind of like got that whole like triangle yeah. effect of what, of right, what his right. operation he's got. He's got going the Galapagos. On. He's got a lodge in Colombia. Right. For Payara and Peacock Bass that I went to. I think he takes some trout fishing down in Patagonia. In, right. In he Patagonia, does the yeah. uh, the fads off Costa Rica, which yeah. Rufus and I have done several times. And so he's got a whole different pogo stick series of trips. Mm-hmm. And they're all good. The guy, the kid really knows what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Because he's perfected the Galapagos trip. The first time we are down there, it was, I think we were one of the first people that he had. So we were sort of all figuring it out at the same time. And now he's got it. This so, is the years and years ago trip you're talking. No, about. no, this no. Forget that. That's a, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, that's that's we, we don't think about that. We don't talk. Yeah, we we're now talking about, about Javier in the last <laughs> right, quarter. Yeah. We, had to, gotcha. we had to take two twenty off, but we were there in, I guess, nineteen twenty one, twenty two mm-hmm. uh, for me. And um, you know, the first time we're going to different restaurants for dinner and on our own, and the hotel is about hundred yards from the dock. And you yeah. have to step over the sea lions to get to your boat and stuff. But it's uh, he's got it dealt down now. He's got three hotels. You can get the expensive one, the middle one, or right. a, a less expensive one. This is the hotel with the mural of Rufus in it? Uh, no, we, that, we don't know that, which one. That's actually like a sushi bar. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's actually Charles Darwin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it looks exactly like Rufus. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so let me take my hat. It's bald and, you know. He's got uh, um, your choice of hotels. Yep. Um, he pays for all the food, which mm-hmm. was a real problem when Rufus got down there. Okay. Yeah, right, right. And yeah, he didn't make any I money. I was kind. He didn't make any money on that trip. And um, <laughs> um, and the boat is the boat is perfect. The biggest problem he has is getting ballyhoo and bait. Yeah. There's no bait source on the island. You really? bring the bait in, and then uh, the Galapagos Islands go nuts about anything that Right. Yeah, it's really very regulated there, right? Oh, God, oh, you can't, man. You can't, you step, can't yeah. step on a bug in the Galapagos without yeah. violating yeah. some law. Yeah, it's, I, mean, uh, I mean, I mean, how much of that is overreach and how much is that it, like, it's, protecting you know, it, right? Once again, it's a World Heritage Site, UNESCO right. Site. It is a treasure. Sure. So, you know, it's got to be preserved. It's tough to argue with it. And, you know, the rules are the rules, you know. Because you wonder, but, I mean. The pro- you know, the problem is, is you could bring in, let's say, one case of bait. That's 144 right. baits. It's 12 dozen. That's, you know, usually 12 packages of 12. Okay. So that's, you know, you're going to run through that in a week, you know, and, 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 and there's, it's difficult to, you know, you got to ship a Yeti mm-hmm. with dry ice. You're only allowed 10 pounds of dry ice. So it's got to go Miami, Guayaquil, Galapagos. In, you know, the two-day fashion, you know, the kind of the quick hit. Yeah. And then, you know, where are you going to store it? Thank you. Where are you going to store it when you get there is, is another problem. You know, I mean, I don't know what the freezer situation is out there, whether you can get a freezer out there. It's not an easy place to get stuff. And, you know, it's a third world kind of a... You know, under the table, sort of a sure. You know, banana I mean, republic kind of situation, right? You know, like uh, if you were to ship a Yeti cooler down there, let's say a hundred and seventy quart Yeti cooler with, you know, thirty dozen or you know what, ten cases or fifteen or twenty cases of bait. Mm-hmm. What's that going to cost you to get in? And if it gets stuck in customs, well, there goes your bait. Well, yeah. it's also they've you got know? a they've got a really strict, you know, import thing with taxes and stuff. That's one of the things that Choate got. 
into a problem with. Right. They had an air conditioner went out in the boat, and it came into customs, and it was going to cost them more than the air conditioner cost to get it out of the customs. Yeah. And they were, they were fighting with the, his partner, and he were fighting over who's going to pay for it because it was... And catching your baits, that's not even No, nah, there's no option. place to catch baits. There's not, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, the sardines are there. I mean, the, you know, you see when you see 300 gannets dropping down and right. sea lions jumping and striped marlin cutting the water, you know there's a school of sardines there. But that's open good, water bait balls. Good you're luck not getting catch that stringer of right. bait to the boat, you yeah, know. You're I not mean, gonna, so yeah. there's really not much you can do other than bring these ballyhoo in or, you know, and it's kind of... It's they did well with lures, thing. though. We we raised yeah. most of most of ours were on lures. I don't think we were trolling any ballyhoo. We had no. We had a, a spinning rod, heavy spinning rod, rigged up with a ballyhoo for pitch bait when they gave up on the on the flies. Right. We'd mm-hmm. had Jean Eastman with us, and she threw a pitch right. bait in, and she was our designated catcher. Oh, that's person. right. She, that's right. Jean went yeah. on a trip. Yeah. yeah. She was. We kept plugging her into the the bait one, so right. I could get some jumping pictures. Right. And stuff. Yeah. But it was the uh, the trip is just. It, it's great. It's such an adventure. You know, I can't recommend it too highly. Sounds like an exactly. adventure. And I, I come back and Peter Miller wants to do a TV show. Rick Murphy wants to do a TV show. So right. I put Javier in right. touch with them. And they've got to get all kinds of permits from the uh, right. uh, the government, the, the islands, to do that. And they always oh, want a chase boat. There aren't any chase boats. No. <laughs> you know, there, there's no chase. It's all on the boat and you're that's just that. You're on know? the boat. That's it. It's yep. all you're going to get. And yep. um so they're working that out, but it's but it's, it's it's a it's a you know it's one of those magical places, and then the fact that it has striped marlin, arguably some of the best striped marlin in the world, mm-hmm. for as the long biggest, as you're on the right island. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you, it's, want, you need right? to go to San, yeah. you go to San Cristobal. You don't right, go to right. any place else. Right. You know, like you run up to Cabo and Mag, Bay, Mag Bay, and all you're going to yeah. see more striped marlin. You'll probably see a lot more, but they're a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And you know you're in Cabo and Mag- well Cabo's pretty far out, but Mag Bay is what it is. And uh, but this is the Galapagos, you know. I mean it's it's a volcano, a giant volcano. It's a quaint little town. The food's it's got to feel like you're on another planet. Pretty much, yeah. There, oh, the not, sea yeah. lions are <laughs> the sea lions are the great. sea lions come in at night. They all come in on the beach. The beach is just full of be a thousand sea lions up on right. the beach, all barking and sleeping and right. It's yapping. like spring break for yeah. sea lions. <laughs> it looks like it looks like Fort Lauderdale spring break. Yeah, um, but it's just they're just you get used to it. You know, you're stepping over a sea lion, we'll get in the boat now and yeah. Yeah. stuff like that, and you don't have. They've got a lot of gannets, but they don't have the uh, bluefoot boobies much in uh, San Cristobal. That's right. a different island. And they've got marine iguanas. Okay. And you've got the tortoises. And so we get there. Usually we get in about 1 o'clock. So that afternoon we'll do our tourist thing and we'll go look at uh, the tortoises. Right. This time we went and looked at the tortoises. And last time we went to some volcano with the lake in it where the frigate birds were diving in fresh water, which is sort of interesting really? and stuff. Uh, you know, That's kind of cool. It, yeah. was, it was pretty cool, yeah. And yeah. then they come up and they're all wet and they're upside down and they're, they're, they're a bunch of meth head frigates. They're all like, <laughs> you know, meth head frigates. Getting all the salt these off things them, are you know? weird, really weird looking birds. All right, Dennis, that's a painting. Yeah. <laughs> meth head frigate. <laughs> Need to start a self-help program. Yeah, exactly. In the Galapagos for the meth but head so frigate. So we do that and then we fish. Are their teeth missing? I couldn't. I got to, I'll, <laughs> right, send, yeah. I'll send you the photos. I got some of the goofiest looking are, frigate yeah, bird photos. Cute. But it's a. Uh, it's a magical it's, place. It's just one of those places that if if you love, you know, adventure fishing, gone places. And, you know, hey, I like some good food. And I got to tell you, man. Do you, Rufus? I was shocked at how good the food was yeah? there. I, it was fabulous. I mean, from the pizza 
they had a pizza that's got a like a little marinara, some mozzarella, and then this creamy seafood like Alfredo sauce put on top of it that slid under the oven and it bubbles and I mean oh my god that's just like every bite is the ocean yeah Rufus ate three you of know. them no right, right. <laughs> yeah well Javier gives me that like the quarter pizza at the end and goes well I can't take it home and I'm like oh god so I gagged it down and then waddled back to the hotel you know thank god it was about like a, a sea lion about it was <laughs> ar- arguably yeah but um you know Rufus they have is the laying whole, on the beach yeah right <laughs> they have the whole thing fish this weird deep water fish that's just fantastic it's presented beautifully right the sushi was really good the ceviche was really good you know i you know i don't i don't, I don't recommend ordering a steak there but you know i'm sure you and you're gonna do the trip down. again soon right we're, we're gonna we're, do it next year yeah. yeah 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 he's going i think the week before me and then i'm going with a bunch of friends of mine yeah we're gonna go and uh you know this will be like their you know bucket list trip Nice. And, uh, you know, we're going to stay at the hotel. Oh, and the most important thing of all, the air conditioning in our hotel room was outstanding. With the invention of the mini split mm-hmm. air conditioner, it's open. Because you're literally on the equator, right? You're oh, yeah. at, at our, our, where we are fishing is zero point something. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're on the equator. You know, it, it it might be zero one point something south latitude when we get to the fish, but up there at the hotel, it's zero zero zero. You know, I mean, you're right on the equator. That's just cool, though. So when we went yeah. years ago, he has a buddy come down from like what Michigan or Wisconsin, Virginia. V- you mean Chris Lally? Yeah, no, 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 no. Your buddy twenty years ago. Biggest Biggest Right. So <laughs> this guy rolls into town, and we go out the next. You know, we go out our first Fair day. Rhode Island. Pardon. Right. Oh, nothing. <laughs> no, right. So so um the guy's sitting in the fighting chair and he's got his shirt undone and he's turning a color of red that is I've never seen before. And I you know, I go, Look, sir, it's none of my business, but you might want to consider maybe uh, buttoning your shirt up and maybe going inside. Yeah. I'm good there, son. I'm like, yeah, okay. Next day he left. Really? <laughs> He we, was so burnt, he couldn't move. I mean, and, and, he, and he had a well-start shirt on. And, I mean, you know, you just can't come and go out of the Galapagos. He goes, I got enough cash to get me out of here. And I'm like, hey, knock yourself out, buddy. It still yeah. took him a couple of days. I talked to him later, and he took him a couple yeah. of days to Dude. get out. But he just, you know, we all... He's from Detroit. Yeah, you, you don't know, realize right. they yeah. have like three hours of time. sun a year. Up yeah. there. Dude, my first time I went to Costa Rica, I didn't even realize it. I was like, "Yeah, cool, I'm in Costa yeah. Rica." And I freaking walk right out of the sand with like no flip flops on. I, I felt that like for like the next three days, I was like the bottom of my feet were burnt. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, there was listen. no one around to warn me like not to do that. Even the right. warning, we warned him. Goes, yeah. No, oh no, I'm good. This is fine. I got suntan. Lotion. Yeah, right. Oh, so you're cooking even more. Yeah, you know, just, I mean, yeah. poor Dick. He was actually he didn't miss anything because of. Right, the trip was hell. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a soundbite. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Dick. The um. So listen, you guys. All right, let me just reel this in a little bit, just a little bit. All right, just offer a little bit of perspective here. All right, you guys are phenomenal. One would say legends. I would say legends. Thank Allow you. me to say that. Both of you guys. Seriously. So this is highly entertaining for me. Like, listen to you guys like go on like this. But I want to bring up one serious thing, right? Because we only have so much time here. I can right. sit there and talk to you guys forever. We talked about the Galapagos. We talked about the way they protect the Galapagos. Right. And I think you guys could probably read between the lines and see where I'm yeah. going with this, okay? Is there any of that 
that should be brought to Florida and what's overreach and what's not, right? Because you guys have both been on the forefront, the front lines of conservation. So if we in this show, we talk about, cons- we talk about conservation on every right. single episode we have here, right? And it's really a big deal. Being a native Floridian, native South Floridian, you know what I mean? Hold it near and dear to our hearts. Right. We talked on the, before the show about some of, of the different conservation issues that we have going on around the state. Some of what, some of what leadership is doing, some of what some leadership is not doing. Um, influence of the Galapagos. I'm trying to tie that into Florida here and what can be done better and what is being done that's not necessary. The right. Galapagos are a bunch of islands mm-hmm. 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador. They think they're their own country. Right. So they've got all the regulations. Any regulation they want to put in, they, they put, put in. Right. You right. know, then And it's controlled because there's only a few little inhabited islands there in cities. Right. Uh, the biggest problem they have, they've got a whole bunch of water that's designated park or whatever you want to call it. 200 miles. Yeah. But they've got this Chinese um, commercial fishing fleet that anchors up or floats out outside oh, of the do thing. they yeah and surprise as, surprise as soon as it comes boats. dark they come into the waters rape the fish and go back out of right. it it's like every right. time i hear the, the term chinese fleet i think mm-hmm. i hear the song dun 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 right dun, dun, Darth dun, Vader, yeah. whether it's japanese or chinese Chi- yeah. or something yeah. i don't know but yeah, I mean, you know, they got the squid boats and they got other boats, I'm sure. But the squid boats, you know, it's a 300-foot boat with about 80 or 100, you know, rods that just come off the side of the boat and drop down. Mm-hmm. And it's got, you know, basically like 100 sabiki squid jigs on each rod. And when it comes up, when it hits the pulley, the jig goes like that and flips the squid into the boat. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's as many squid as they can catch, and it's tons in a night. It's not just, you know, hmm. 10,000 pounds. It, it's 50,000 pounds or 100,000 pounds. And, pl- and they're tunas. just there they every the night. Tunas. The tunas, yeah. you name it, they're there catching it. So the, they have a particular thing in their corner. They're 600 miles out, and they still get hammered by, you know, foreign interests. We we have arguably one of the biggest cans of worms that's ever been created with our Lake Okeechobee system and the Everglades agricultural area and all that sort of stuff, you know, south of the lake with uh, sugar and, you know, reg- regular farming. Let's face it. Let's just call sugar what it is. It's the other white powder. Right. You know, it's in every single thing we eat. It's in every single thing you drink almost. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in every white box. It's in every cereal box. It's in every can. It's in just about everything we eat. And it's all, you know, to keep us obese and heart disease, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Their lobby power is huge. The big, well, we've talked about this before. Big, like, you're very right. familiar with the Fungual family. Big you went to school right, with all but of them. I don't even, but it's I not even that. There's this big it, industry tied to this it. It's this big, giant industry. Then you throw the whole, you know, um, uh, uh, big pharma into the program. Let's keep everybody sick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, you're fighting City Hall big time. And it's, I mean, you're it's fighting Gotham hill. City, you know, it's, and, and it's DC, it's Tallahassee, their lobby power is incredible. 
it's it's all over the place. And you've you been know? on the Hill talking. I've been to Tallahassee three times to speak before Senate subcommittees, and I've been up there with captains for clean water to get SB twenty eight oh twenty whatever that last bill that DeSantis mm-hmm. vetoed. Thank God, you know, right? Because that would have given the Department of Agriculture free reign over every everything. Which is Wilton Simpson, who is a, you know, he ran un- unopposed for the Department of Agriculture, and he'll be the next governor. I, you know, I, I don't see him, you know, really being challenged. You don't think so? Ah, somebody will come out of the woodwork, but he's got all the firepower. Depending on where we are politically in the nation, it'll depend on who gets in. So you think once Ronnie's gone, it's going to switch over? I think once Ronnie's gone, they're going to go full tilt, you know? They're just waiting and biding their time. Yeah, they're, I mean, they got all the time in the world, you know? And, 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 and so once, once the Department of Agriculture, if they were to get control of the allocation of land mm-hmm. and money to buy what lands... Then you're, you know, you're kind of opening up a can of worms. But, you know, I live on the St. Lucie River, and when we get discharges, it smells like just garbage. And right. The water turns black, and the Indian River, we've lost all the ground. We have lost, uh, uh, the, the Indian River is 2,150 square miles from the Stewart Crossroads to Scottsmore or Titusville or whatever you want to call the top mm-hmm. of it. That's as big as the state of Delaware or Rhode Island, and we have lost every blade of grass. Just when it starts coming back, they discharge, or we get a storm, or we get something, and, you know, all hell breaks loose, and all the grass that was just starting to show is now gone again. So eventually, the grass isn't going to come back. You know, hey, dude, when I when when I first moved up there in 83, you could wait out. The grass was this. I mean, this tall. And it was just this enchanted forest of life with mullet and pinfish and shrimp and crabs and trout and snook and jacks and tarpon and porpoise and manatees. And now it's just a barren wasteland. It's just like the moon. There's no grass. There's no structure. Right. There's nothing. The uh, same thing sort of happens in Florida Bay. Yeah. Because I've got um, the last month's issue of the Bonefish Tarpon and Trust Journal. Mm-hmm. I've got a picture on it with a redfish. And that was taken in snake bite, and the redfish is being released over turtle grass, and that's like a, you know, an amazing picture now because there's no grass left in snake bite. It's yeah. all mud. It looks like it looks like this table. And back in the day, the water was clear. We used to run around back in the seventies. As we used to run around in little john boats, just looking for the schools of redfish. We'd see one, we'd sort of stop and pull down, yeah, and get it. But it was all clean water. It was all grass. Now it's just all mud. Yeah. And the other thing they've got is, is Rufus's area has got the discharge from yeah, the fertilizers got, right. and the yeah, lake yeah, and everything so you, else. You got, you got all the, the coup de gras kind of like coming yeah, like everything, right everything. Well, you know, filters right in there. Right. But down in Miami, they did some tests on the bonefish and they found 16 different drugs in so the bonefish. So I'm very happy you brought that up because I think at the symposium this year, at the Bonefish Tarpon and Trust Symposium mm-hmm. this year, that was a really big topic of conversation. Yeah, yeah. They found it in redfish. Too. Yeah. They started testing the redfish. That's yeah. insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Insane that well, they're finding that what, much pharmaceuticals yeah. in the fish. Yeah. yeah, and it's just from the it's just from the the outflow of whatever. whatever yeah, wherever right. it comes from, you and know. somehow it's getting in the water and it's getting in the fish. We we, we should do that for snook up at home because we've lost all the trout. So now the snook bear the brunt of the pressure. You, you know, know, like the, uh, I mean, listen, it, it, Australia has twenty eight million people in it. 
Hey, I, I, believe me, I'm ready. I'm and we ready. have what? No, no, no. We have what? 23, <laughs> 20, 23 or right? 4 million people yeah. in just the yeah. state of Florida yeah. alone? Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. There's way too many people here. Well, that's, you know, there's 340. Well, hey, let's open the borders up and let more in. But that's beside the We're not going to go there. But, well, but the deal is, is yes, Australia, everybody lives on the east coast of Australia from, well, no one lives from, you know, Daintree or... Uh, right Australia north is the size of our Midwest. Australia is almost as big as the lower 48. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, you can fit it inside. Yeah, but it, yeah it, it's, it's close. close. Yeah. You, you know, but nobody lives from Cairns all the way to Cape York. There's ah, maybe 500 people. Yeah. And then, you know, from Cairns south, you know, you've got Townsville, which is the center, but you got Cardwell and Tilly and all these little towns that there's no one there. You know, Innisfail. Then south of that, you got Brisbane and, you know, Gold Coast, which is pretty, you know, and then you got a big period of nothing, and then you get Sydney and on south. And then from, let's say, Brisbane all the way to the west coast, there's no one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody. I mean, I think Alice Springs is the only city in the middle of the country, you know, and that's it's just all a bunch of red rock and aboriginals and, and uh, really, really hot and inhospitable. Right. You know, and, and then, you know, from Perth is a big center and the Margaret River south of Perth. And then you got nothing all the way to Exmouth. <laughs> well, and, let's and get then, off of this program. Right. This is and, then got, anything. and then you got Exmouth all the way to, you know, to, um, um, yeah. Ah, Christ, up there in the Northern Territory yeah. and Darwin. Summing and it up, nothing. there's no people in Australia. But my point is that right. that's a huge country and that that's yeah. how many people are inside and, of and, our state. And another thing is they really manage their stuff well. Like barramundi season closes. Right. They don't fish for ocean barramundi when they're out on the beach of spawning. So this is my question overall. Right. Like you guys just come back from the Galapagos where it's just like heavily regulated. Right, right. Right. And we come back, come to Florida and it's like, well, we got issues. It's like, well, what here do you guys feel that could be done better? Like with looking at the way the Galapagos does it, looking at the way Australia does it now, like what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? We just opened up the red snapper season for a longer period of time because that's been in like the, a in, ruse. In the Gulf. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah the Atlantic. The red snapper is sort of a joke because oh, right. you, you can't even, keep it's them, been a ruse. but you pull them up out of 200 feet of water, they get inflated, you release them, and they either get eaten by a shark or they die. Right. You know, so it's, and you can't say, you know, I'm putting a bait down, no red snapper need apply. Right. Because yeah. you can't keep them. So that's, Sort of stupid, but the Gulf that. their season runs till July something. Yeah, no, it's it's opened it's a it up a lot. Season, yeah. But we've talked a lot about the tarpon, which is one of my favorites, and and uh, one of my buddies was Bill Curtis. I've been fishing with Bill Curtis since nineteen seventy three mm-hmm. or something, and uh, he used to tell me that when we were in the eighties, he said there's ten percent of the tarpon that I used to see in the late 60s and 70s, this mid-80s or so. Actually, I really didn't, probably the late 80s. I didn't really start tarpon fishing until the late 80s. And Bill was one of the first guys. I didn't even know there were tarpon in Miami, but he took me right out, Elf Elliott Key, right. Curtis Point, and there were lots of tarpon. But he said back in then around the, last, the late 80s, he said there's 10% of the tarpon that were here in the 70s. Okay, well, we still had huge schools. He said back in the day, there'd be a, pod of between 50 and 500 tarpon every quarter mile walking down the coast and you'd cast it every school you'd hook one up the only reason you didn't get a bite was you were still fighting one from the last school it went by 
then we go up from the late 80s to around 2000 when Bill retired. And and he's telling me then that now there's like 5% of the tarpon that he used to see. Well, I'm seeing between 1989 and 1999 or 2000, I'm seeing a lot less tarpon than I saw in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Fewer and farther between. And then you fast forward up to 2020 or something like that. And now from the times I've been out, it's 5% of the tarpon that I was seeing in the 80s, the late 80s. So it's probably like 1% of what was oh, coming right, down right. here, you know, back in the 70s and stuff. I mean, there, there aren't any tarpon. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Bouncer has been on the show like a few times, mm-hmm. and he talks about the, the way yeah. tarpon have dwindled like over the years. Well, and, it's pressure. So gotten, it's pressure. Environmental and, and, conditions. Yeah, and, there's a guide guideboat every quarter mile between government cut yeah. and key west yeah um but but they're they're fishing so these fish are all 30 40 years old and you know they get hooked a couple of times it's sort of figured out yeah. but they're just not seeing the numbers um and annie mill and i've talked about this he says you know a whole bunch of them have just figured out that if they go down their normal path down through right. the flats they got jet skis they got mm-hmm. boats running up and down they got fishermen They've got all kinds of water problems, lack of food. You know, if we swim down in 60 to 100 feet of water, nothing bothers us. Right. right. You know, we just go, to, just go right off the reef, go right on down. Yeah. And the path of least resistance. There may be yeah. the still number of tarpons, but they're just not up on the flats where you can fish for them. Right. I know so, in East La Holbach, Mexico, which is a little island just off the north side of the Yucatan, my cousin goes down and he catches 140-pound fish in 200 feet of water. They're up on the surface, and he's, you know, they're rolling, and he throws a fly in and hooks one, and it jumps, and he, they're in 200 feet. You know, yeah, uh, you know, the reason, part of the thing with the bouncer thing is he said one of the number one reasons why he retired when he did is he was tired of losing tarpon to sharks. Yeah. That's I a, don't blame him. That's another thing. I just got back from Key West. I spent a, a week fishing with Trossett and a friend of mine. I was just taking pictures, but they were catching tarpon. And I've been fishing Key West Harbor, you know, for tarpon since 1972. Mm-hmm and uh, or 71 actually and uh, i've never really seen tarpon get killed by sharks in the harbor this last week i watched a dozen tarpon get killed by sharks in the week this week just last week i mean we lost five or six on our boat and i could see other boats and they're fighting the fish and all of a sudden the water explodes and you got the bull sharks are attacking it and stuff yeah they're just I was amazed at how many sharks were in the harbor eating the tarpon. It's an easy food source like we were discussing earlier. It's a conservation issue, yada, yada, yada. You know, here comes a boat. The sharks are smart. You know, they, mm-hmm. they... yeah, but this is the harbor, and there's just there were thousands of tarpon in the harbor. Yeah, I mean, it was just there was they thought there was going to be a worm hatch. It didn't go off, but all the tarpon were in, right. thinking it was going to go off. Hatch, it around it didn't it. go off. No, nah, from what I heard, I was talking to Russ Kleppinger, and he said yeah. it, it didn't go off the way wow. they thought it was. It was supposed to go. He said it's going to one of these two nights. Well, the first night it didn't go off. Second night the wind came up, and that'll screw it up. Right, if the wind right. is, is blowing. So any rate, but the tarpon were all there, just schools, acres of them, and they weren't very big, but the, the shark attacks on them were like nothing I've ever seen before. Can you talk a little bit about your background with the golden fly? I want to get into yeah, that Yeah, I was a late bit. for a meeting, and they made me president. <laughs> 14 years later. 14 no. years later. I quit. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I mean, it's a... It was pretty reputable thing. It yeah. is now, yeah. yeah. And it was it, uh, Billy Pate and the Sherman brothers started that tournament because, you know, they were getting older. 
they were having trouble competing with the young guys, the young studs, you know, Glenn Flutie and a bunch of those guys. And, and it was five days tournament is rough when you're in your seventies and stuff. So, so a bunch of them got together and they formed the golden fly to compete with the gold cup. Mm -hmm. And it was like the gentleman's club. It was only three days. It was like a clam bake with fishing rods. You know, it was just no pressure, no really cutthroat stuff. And, uh, it went along for a couple of years and then they tried to get bigger and tried to get bigger and it just didn't, you know, it just, nobody was, <laughs> the Shermans were, were inviting all their buddies to fish it, but they never were paying their entry fees. Mm-hmm. So, and they had all this, they added a Chica one day, all this stuff. And finally, when I got nominated as president, I looked at it and the thing was about $10,000 in debt. Oh, really? You know, and there were like three people wanted to fish it. Oh. It was like, oh, great. So, you know, we had to literally build it up from scratch uh, from then on. And it, it developed up to being, um, you know, one of the top three. Yeah. The right. Golden Fly, the, the Holly, uh, yeah. and the Gold Cup are the three big, yeah. you know, the grand Gucci. So that's why I wanted to Gucci bring it up. Just to like let yeah. the audience know that, yeah, you know, the reason that the Golden Fly is, I mean, big reason that the Golden Fly is what it is today yeah, yeah. it's it because of you yeah because yeah. of me when i because i always was more concerned about the guy that comes in from kansas and fishes you know three or four days for practice and then fishes the golden fly and catches one fish i wanted to make sure he had a good time yeah and so i was really i didn't give a crap about andy mill who was winning the thing all the time you know <laughs> and i was you know they they were winning you're winning a prize you're right. having a good time i'm wearing the poor schmuck that came down here and didn't catch anything so i wanted everybody to be social everybody to have fun yeah. and i got a lot of bling for them you know yeah. all kinds of free stuff and would put everybody's shirts and everything and everybody had a great time and it yeah. really got it really got to be um a very social and very if we use 20 pound tippets you know um we just wanted them to you wanted people to catch fish Right. Yep. And of course, when I got out, then Steve Ward took it over, and all the Gold Cup guys went in. They made it a mini Gold Cups, and now right. they're fifteen pound tippet, and we're measuring length and girth, and right. you know, and we're we're doing it and stuff. But it's a, uh, you know, it's still it's still a very prestigious tournament. It's only three days, and it's it's a lot of fun. When I was running, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really. Listen, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, when you talk about tarpon and you talk about the diminishing population reasons why and everything like that you know this is good perspective to have from yeah. you guys you know to to talk about i, I mean you just know, any fishery really you guys you guys your guys knowledge of fisheries is just really like so he broad. said there's a guide every quarter mile yeah and the pressure that these fish feel like at home we have no trout we have no redfish anymore really so all the pressure's on the snook mm-hmm. and Arguably, you can go buy live bait. You know, you've got an electric motor that'll hold you in one spot. You've got power poles that'll stop you. And the fact you can buy live bait. So everybody can buy the live bait. We used to have to go catch it and meet our people or get our people and go catch it and so forth. And the uh, convenience of buying live bait turns everybody into a guide. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and I mean, you know, it's... uh. It's it, it it puts added pressure because now you got all the people who weren't really fishermen, you know, good fishermen, you know, that would they go throw plastic or they'd try this. Now they're all posting up with live bait, plus the guides, and you know, if you want to be successful at it, you got to be there at five thirty in the morning to get your bait. You got to have your people there, 
and you got to be the first people on those first four or six docks or whatever your points are, however your sea walls, however you want to call it, you know, wherever, wherever the fish are patterning. Mm-hmm. And that's it, you know. And if you're not there at that early first person, first light, someone's going to beat you to it. So the competition has gotten insane. Now we're coming into the closed snook season where, like I said, in Australia, when Barramundi season closes, I think it's like December 1st because it's their summer. Mm-hmm. And it goes till February 1st. It's the similar same three months that they close it. Nobody fishes for them. And if you're on a like a rock lead or a rock wall or something, and you're chucking big Z-man plugs because that's what they fish for, they really only artificial fish there for the most part. You're barramundi fishing, and right. someone's going to shame you. They're going to pull right up to you and shame you into leaving. You know, here that's you know the grip and grin the best, and I'm guilty right. of it. I did it 30 years ago, 20 years ago, where we slammed them and caught 40 50 60 fish in a day and it was great you know now there's so many guides and the fisheries become so depleted because every time you throw a live bait into a school of snook and something eats it and you get tight the whole school scatters so now you're disrupting their spawn momentum Mm -hmm. and it becomes a big issue so in the last snook meeting that was up there cody rubner was talking about it saying you know we need to you know, police ourselves. I threw this out on Facebook 10 years ago, and man, I got eviscerated. You know, people just said, we ain't ever going to give up our summer summer snook fishery. Right. Well, the summer snook fishery is now gone. Mm-hmm. You know, what used to be schools and You're not going to have to give it up. It's going to give up on you. 200 at the jetties are no more. Those schools are gone. The Flapgate and Stewart used to have, you know, 100 fish, 150 fish gone. Might, you might see 10. You know, and you get right. guides who will post up there all day long and pound them until they get two or three or four fish, you know. But meanwhile, they're just, you know, they're kind of cutting their own wrist, you know, doing it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, you go out to the shark barge. There's a couple hundred snook in 30 feet of water. I've caught snook at the Halsey Wreck, 70 feet of water. I've caught them at the pipe barge, 60 feet of water. So the snook are leaving due to water quality pressure. Whatever the synopsis is, they're getting out of the river. And, we, you know, the populations might still be strong, but not in the river. Right. And there's a boat on every single dock. So, you know, I mean, God bless them. You know, the poor snooker, just, they're screwed, just like the tarpon. There's a guide every quarter mile, you know. When I got to Key West in 1971, the Navy, um, there was only like, there were like two light tackle guides bob montgomery and a guy named lefty regan bob montgomery and uh, um they would go out to these wrecks looking back and the bazilka and the sturdivant and stuff and this was like you know like the the golden you know fleece of fishing get one of these wrecks and there was am tyler and jim lopez and stuff were a few guys from miami that knew how to get to them but there was no loran back then no loran there was no gps there was no nothing you had to run uh, you had to, first you get we all got like fifteen hundred dollar compasses for the boat because the compass had to be right on. Mm-hmm. So we would run from the last buoy in Northwest Channel, the Smith Shoal, and we'd time it on a stopwatch, and we'd do it at a specific RPM, four thousand RPM, and we'd time it. Boink. Then we multiply that by three point one four, and get that. And then we'd take off 
from Smith Shoal and run 004 degrees on a calibrated compass for whatever that time was. And we throw a buoy and start looking for the wreck. <laughs> that yeah, kept that, the riffraff off, yeah, 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 riff uh, off right, the yeah. water. And like, our, and like RT said, he said, sometimes you just be, you'd come down off a plane and you'd start looking and then you'd look over and you'd see, you know, 100 permit tails and fins sticking out or you'd see 40 cobias swimming, swimming around <laughs> right up the, in the your rack. prop line. <laughs> <laughs> you know. but and I can only imagine back then how wonderful that must have been. And talk about sure. a sense of adventure. You know, let's, you know, look at our watch, look at our friggin' compass, and let's go out into the great unknown. Yeah. You know, can you imagine the guys up off Gloucester and Montauk and doing the same thing, you know? Oh, geez. In I mean, listen, north- right now with the way technology is involved in really every aspect of fishing and just it's, diving yeah. or whatever, well, whatever, whatever you want. You know, I mean, look at the, the sonar, sonar for scan. Crying, you know yeah. what I mean? Side it's, scan it's, for docks yeah, and, and, and drones. All the, and, all the electronics. When Lauren, I remember when Lauren C first yeah, came right. out. You know, we'd have to go out and find the wrecks on our old skill, and then we'd mark the numbers. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, some magazine guys wanted me to say, okay, let's go get all the numbers and we'll publish them. And the magazine said, are you out of your minds? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not going to publish any of this stuff. Right, right, right. But one by one, you know, the guys would catch us on the wrecks. Yeah. Right. And, and there was a couple of guys that were just meat fishermen. And right. they would catch Prosser or Ralph Dell for me right. or A.M. Tyler to catch somebody on one of these little secret wrecks we had. And uh, they'd go back to it every day with 50-pound rods and kill every cobia. On the right, road. right. Now you you have a trouble finding a legal cobia. Right, yeah. And back, right. in, back in my day in the 80s, 60, 70-pound cobia were not rare at all. Right, I mean, you're 67-pound uh, Cobia on eight pound tippet will probably stand forever. Yes, you know. So I got a good story you got that about record? this. But this is yeah. yeah. I caught this with with Tross. Tell me about ago. that record. Tell me about that. Uh, oh my we were God. Out, I want I want to hear about the yep. records. We were we were out uh, west of the Marquesas in the quicksands in a, yep. a wreck called the Artemis or something or another, and there were three Kobe and one of them was huge, and at that time I think the world record for Kobe was on eight pound tippet was 40 pounds or something like that. But anyway, I got I got into this time when I was going to go, all right, I'm going to fish eight-pound tippet because nobody's caught anything on eight-pound tippet. I was the first one to catch a white marlin on an eight-pound tippet. And that, that record held up for 20 years or something yeah. like that. And uh, so I'm out there with a fly rod with an eight-pound tippet, and I hook up this cobia. And uh, we... <laughs> It's got an eight-pound tippet. The fish was 67 and a half pounds. Yeah. It took me two hours to get it in. We gaff it, throw it in the boat, and the fly falls out of its mouth. <laughs> yeah. So you got to keep pressure on them. Yeah. Right, right. But anyway, that was, that was, that was in 1985. And, yeah. uh, wow. That's and that's yeah. still a record today. Yep. Wow. And it will never be beaten because there's not a lot of 60, 70-pound Kobe around. Right. And no one's stupid and enough to throw a fly. Nobody's throwing a fly at him. Yeah. And it ain't going to have an eight-pound tippet if they do. So no. that's going to be up there. Wow. And, nice. You know, yeah, yeah, I like that it. Was, that was good. I like yep, it. Yep. I got to ask you. I want to ask you something. I don't ask everybody this, but I do ask a lot of guys this. And I'm really curious about both of you guys. Everyone has the one that got away. Everyone's got one. I don't yeah. care who you are. Everyone's got the one that got away. What's your one that got away? Homosassa. First day I ever fished there with Captain Mike Hewlett. And, you know, I had fished in the Keys a couple of years, caught some big tarpon, you know, 100 pounders. It was nothing giant. 
And Mike was like, all right, I think you're ready to go to Homosassa. You know, you can cast 70, 80 feet and, you know, you're pretty good at it and you can pull on a fish good. So let's go. It's, you know, going to cost a hundred dollars more a day. Oh, so now we're at three and a quarter, you know? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Those yeah. were the days because that was the hotel room and food and all the stuff that he would have to deal with. And so anyway, we went up there and we came out of the Wikiwachi River Bayport boat ramp and we went out and we fished some of these deeper water spots and I jump a fish and the tide's moving and starting to drop and he goes all right let's run up to the flat so we ran up to what's called the lean and stake mm-hmm. mutton jeff or um uh, guido's rock that area we're pulling we're pulling along and all of a sudden mike goes oh my god and I look up and I'm bang there it is I mean I can see this thing coming it's it's like a literal submarine I'm like holy shit and I look at the rod and I go well, here it goes, you know, and he goes, so two feet to the right of it because the tide's fallen and two feet in front of it and just snake that fly right in front of it. And I did that, and this thing garbaged it. It had four fish following it that were all over 100 pounds, and this thing was just that much bigger. And she ate it. I set the hook, you know, I got tight and, you know, cleared the line, and she rolled out here and jumped, you know, she jumped that far out of the water. That was to the set of pecs, the first set of ventral fins, you know. And, and, and so she did that three times. Now, I had been over here using my Billy Pate anti-reverse reel, which is fine, you know, and that's all I'd ever used was an anti-reverse reel. And Mike decides to get, you can't catch shit with this, so here, use my John Emery. It's a direct drive reel, and I'm just not used to the concept don't touch the reel. Mm-hmm. And I had my hand on the reel as the fish turned. It, you know, it, it jumped up inshore, then jumped over here, then came, started to make her way towards the gulf, jumped one more time and started to go. Right. And I had my hand on the reel. And somewhere in that period of me hooking it and it getting off, Mike said, oh, God, please don't, please, please don't lose this one. You know, this is the fish that, you know, everybody's, this is at, this is it. This is a 200 plant tarpon or bigger. I don't know how much bigger, but well, she's still swimming out there. But that is, and I'll never forget it because I've caught 186 and a half pound tarpon and I've probably had one other fish on that was comparable to that one, but not as big. And, you know, if you fish there enough, you're going to have it. I just got it the first day of the first morning I was there. And just wasn't savvy enough to really understand how to properly fight that fish. I think to this so, day, this is what this is why your your love for homo assassin just still. Yeah, like, but I canceled my on. year because last Did year you? sucked so bad. The first year I went back, I I fished there for ten years. Then I took twenty five years off because the fishing yeah. got so crappy. You know, they Nestle's pulling a billion gallons of water out of the springs a day, so there's not enough fresh water going out there. The blue crabs have trickled there's nothing like it used to be these are what people think this is what right. the, some of the biologists think and some of the guides and and so forth and the water color is a little different and you know there's you know and the extenuating the 100 boats that might show up there on any given day or the 50 60 boats or 30 boats that are all fishing a pretty small area you know and the fish play pinball they bounce off one boat bounce off another boat right. bounce off another boat and turn and go straight west. And you can watch them. You know, I, I mean, sometimes the school will come, you'll throw a fly, and the, you know, the tarpon will sit up and go, 
yeah, I got one of them. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you could just tell. It's just they've been pounded and they're skittish and they're kind of shaking and moving and, you know, and they don't eat with their tails and people will throw at their tails and that just makes them go faster. So right. they're just constantly getting aggravated. And so this year I told my buddy, I said, look, I'm going to have to bag it. I'm going to, you know. Take it off. Take it off. T- yeah. take, take a year off. Let me know how you do. If, if it. If it blows up, I'll, I'll. It's only four hours away. What do right. we know? I've got a boat. I'll drag a friend over there. I'll pull you fish for fish. I'll go with you. You might be up there a while though. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Pat. What's your one that got away? Yeah, I got so many that got away. I sort of blocked them all out. <laughs> you know, and it's hard to figure out what. I don't have any. You don't that, have one signature fish. one. I don't have one yeah. signature. I got a couple of fish that I really liked. That um, well, we were. Back in 1980, I was um, down with Ron Hamlin. Ron Hamlin and I were good friends. And uh, I was trying to catch, in the late 70s, I was trying to catch a, a sailfish on fly in Florida, which doesn't happen very mm-hmm. often. And we'd go up to Stewart, and we'd troll, and we raised a few, and um, tried to tease them up. But the Atlantics don't tease well. You no, get one right. little quick shot, especially here. At Isla Mujeres, they're stupider. But these guys are real smart. So... Um, Ronnie and Hamlin and I were talking at a Rod and Reel Club meeting, and he said, this year we're going to catch you that one on fly. He says, you just be on standby because I'm going to call you, and you got to get there. I'm going to call you at night. You're going to be up there the next morning. I said, okay, good deal. So I got a call on uh, February 3rd. He said, get your butt up here. They're balling the bait because one boat caught 70 fish or something today. Yeah. So we, I go running up there, and Mark Sawson was with me. Um, I met me there. He was on the boat. And uh, Ronnie and, you know, a couple of women or I don't know who the hell goes. So, anyway, so I'm, we're fly fishing. And it's 1.30 in the mo- afternoon. We haven't seen a fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing. And finally, we saw some surfing through the waves. And I threw a spinning rod at it with a jig on it because I was fishing the Met tournament that year. Okay. And you had all these 10-pound spin categories and fly and plug. So I threw a jig um, with a... 10-pound spinning rod and caught a sailfish, which is a big deal for the Met because yeah. not many sailfish yeah. on artificial. So now we're putzing around. And finally, Ronnie says, all right, buckle up. We're running. He Somebody called him and said, there's some bait balls. So we run over, we get a bait ball, and there's about five boats, and they're all in a circle with their sterns in towards this bait ball with the sailfish going through it. And I hooked four sailfish on fly, free casting into the bait ball. Wow. And lost every one of them. Wow. And the last one, the last one, the, I got the good hook up, and it ran off and got the line and the props of one of the boats across from it. Oh, God. You know, and it's like, and they're all watching me like this idiot's throwing a fly in the middle of the thing. <laughs> Everybody's a free line and bait, live baits to them. So I get one more time, and I figured out that what you do is you cast the fly out, twitch it twice, and just let it sit. And they think it's a hurt bait, and they just come up and poof, eat it. And that's what it did. I hooked it up, and it started jumping right behind the boat. Every boat that was watching me just gunned their engines and moved out and gave me room. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, it was. It was that's really pretty impressive. cool. It was pretty cool. And Back I caught in the that days fish. Of etiquette. Yeah, it was. Well, it took them five fish to figure that out. <laughs> so it didn't. You know, it, didn't uh, it wasn't that big a deal, but. Um, I got that. It was 55 and a half pounds on 12-pound tippet back in the mid. Still a Met record, if there is such a thing. It's still a Florida state record. And that was really? February nice. 4th, cool. 1980. Nice. Wow. And uh, so that was a big thing. Um, 
a lot of work went into that fish. Oh, sure. you caught one. You know, I just right, went yeah. out and with Rufus. We caught a yeah, sailfish on yeah, fly. Right. No, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't work that way. The same thing with the white marlin. Um, again, Ronnie Hamlin. And uh, Ronnie, I was the one that taught Ronnie how to fly fish. Yeah. And he became one of the, the gurus of fly because he was perfecting it. But, you know, I was the one that got him into the teasing, gave him his first fly rod yeah. outfit and, and stuff like that. And, Back and then, there was no manual There wasn't. It. It was, right. you know, there was nothing. It was nothing. Right. The... Uh, I was the first one to use the shooting heads. Yeah. Because we were doing it in the 70s in Cozumel, and we'd hook up an Atlantic sailfish. Back then, it was 12-pound tippet only, floating fly lines. You'd hook a sailfish up there so fast, they would run, and they would take a whole floating 12-weight fly line, and they would pop the tippet just with the belly and the line for running, and you couldn't land them. So I was talking to um, Bob Stearns and stuff, and we were going, you ain't got to do this. So I came up with a 30-foot shooting head, and... uh, which wouldn't have the line drag. And then I put about 150 feet of that orange strand mono right, behind okay, it because yeah. the captains weren't used to fly fishing. You'd hook up, they'd throw the boat in reverse, and they'd suck the line into the yeah. props. I mean, right. they didn't know what they were doing. One-to-one retrieve doesn't yeah, help. Yeah, and you're, you're a little sea master. You're getting yeah. an inch, about an yeah, inch right, and a half right. a line every time you're turning. So anyway, that was tough. But we went down to the to uh, Venezuela. Uh, to Laguera Banks. Yep. And and I was fishing eight pound tippet because mm-hmm. no one had ever caught a striped a uh, white marlin on an eight pound tippet. And uh, so Venezuela, I, huh? Yeah. And we back, in the, about, back we, in the day when you go Eric, back Eric there and Leach get out on, of life. We had Eric Leach on the last episode yeah. and he was talking about Venezuela too. It was but the best man. best saltwater bill fishery yeah. period. And then Chavez happened. Yep. Yeah. And, and I missed it. I thought I had time. Oh we were we were trolling tease baits just little soft yeah. heads and stuff. We had an 800-pound marlin come up on a little, you know, tease, little peanuts, teaser yeah. or something or another about that big. And uh, so anyway, so I hooked, I hooked, I think, 11 marlin before I landed one. Wow. So the, like the 10th one, I fought for an hour and a half and I got it right up next to the boat. And the the mate, um, it was Flash. The Flash is Flash. Flash. And... Uh, he gaffed it, and it got under the boat, and it broke off. And this was like yeah. after an hour and a half. And this is after I'd lost like nine. Now I got Ross it. Clark and it's on the flash, yeah, Ross yeah. Clark, yep. And uh, so, so all right. So here we go again. And I'm about giving up now. And so we get back in, make another cast. Again, this is bait ball fishing. Make another cast, hook up, and it's a big one. And the fish starts tail walking right around behind the boat just doing circles, just tail walking. And it comes right around the boat, Flash leans out and gaffs it. <laughs> really? Yeah. While it's tail walking? So, yeah, while it's tail walking by. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like a five-minute fight, you know, and he's going by and he gaffs it and throws it in the there boat. I said, well, that just I'm just adding the hour and a half I fought the one before <laughs> that yeah. you screwed up and lost for me to right. this one. Right. So we finally got it. But that was 72 and a half pounds, and that that wow. held up. That was an yeah. eight-pound tippet. That held up for a long time. That held up till Morocco. Yeah, Morocco. He caught... Yeah, Flawed uh, caught three swordfish on fly before he beat my white marlin record. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, Flawed's anyway. got the records for swordfish. This That's guy not the Flawed, gladius. Flawed, yeah, right, right. So I designed, Flawed, yeah, I designed Flawed, a, Flawed something Sayahui. for them years ago. Flawed Sayahui. Okay, Deborah Maddox, Jerry Dunaway, De- Deborah, right. Deborah Dunaway. She had a royal billfish slam of current world records. Right now, for a woman on conventional tackle, sure, that's it's one of the greatest achievements ever. Fwad has just about everything 
current world records. He's got swordfish, I think Pacific blue marlin, striped marlin, Atlantic sailfish, white marlin. You know, he I needs... think he's got them all like you do. He's got yeah, yeah, well, Except I he's mean, got oh, the oh shit, yeah. he had the the Royal Billfish Slam on fly way yeah. before I did, or and right. I still don't. I need to get the sword. You need fish. the sword still. Yeah, yeah, but that's just another story that I don't want to get into. Well, we tell we t- already <laughs> talked real, about right, that yeah. on your last. That's on just your a last real. Another... That's an anthill yeah. in my crotch. I know. Really well, that's your one. That's your one that got away, right? Pretty much. BBs in the ass, the anthills in the crotch. BBs in the ass, the anthills in the crotch. You got it. Okay. No one more story. Yeah, um, go ahead. I'm out with Rick Murphy and uh, uh, Joe Rodriguez mm-hmm. years ago. We're flats fishing. God bless him. We were looking for. God rest his soul. We we're looking for tarpon. <sighs> Whose soul? Joe, Joe Rodriguez. Oh, I didn't even know he died. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even no, know that. No, it's okay. Uh, sorry. Anyway, so we're yeah. out. We're looking for tarpon. There aren't any tarpon. And we look for redfish, and redfish are boring. So, you know, so let's go catch some sharks. So we go over to. Uh, Santa Key Basin or someplace or uh, and we're got a bunch of lady fish and we're drifting for sharks and we caught a couple of black tips and and then it slowed down Murphy's asleep and Jojo's doing something and I'm sitting there pretending I'm interested and all of a sudden this big thing pops up in the back and it comes in and I go oh shit this is like 200 pounds this is too much work Joe says ah go ahead and hook it I'll fight it if you get bored you know so okay so we get in the fish comes right up I throw the fly at it. It swims right past the fly, right under the boat, and it's a tiger shark. Ugh. And so it turns around, comes back, eats the fly, and uh, <laughs> and we're now fighting a 200-pound tiger shark. Right. And I never even seen a tiger shark before, th- that size before. And well, Murphy, now you've seen plenty of them. Yeah, yeah, now I have. More. <laughs> but but this, is, this is back in 1980 or something like that, or I don't know, a long time ago. So... We get it up, and I get it right up next to the boat. Now, we don't have a gaff. We're in a huge bonefish, and we've got no gaff. And we got this shark, and Murphy's screaming, this is a world record, this is a world record, this is a world record. So we're trying to get it in. We're trying to tail rope it. We're trying to pull it over. And this is a, it's a, a tiger shark. It's a tiger shark, and we're <laughs> right. all crazy. And we got no gaff. We're trying to lasso it. It breaks off, and it swims off. And I'm going, God, that was such fun. You know, I like got tiger shark right next to the boat. You know, this going, Murphy's, yeah. Murphy's going, Joe. Sit, watch it, watch it. And Joe says, I, I got it, I got it. And Murphy's going, oh, okay, give me the leaders. We got to tie in the leader. It's gone. It's, it's, it's tying a leader. So Murphy's there, his hands are shaking. He's tying another IGFA leader. Uh, get another fly on it. Joe's watching the fish. He says, Joe, you got it. He says, went up there and it stopped. So we go all the way up, about where we saw it, stop, throw the baits back over again, start drifting. Five minutes later, whoop, up pops the shark again. Come right back in, throw the fly, eats the fly. And now we're back in the same really? stupid. Wow. Now we're back in the same stupid procedure right, again. How right. are we going to do it? We finally get a rope on its tail. Wow! And uh, drag it into the boat, lash it to the polling platform because it's trying to kill all of us. And uh, and we're going, you know, nuts. Murphy's game. You know, the world record is like forty three pounds. Yeah, this is like right. two hundred. And uh, we pull it sure up in its mouth. It's got my other fly. Wow! And on the other fly. The shock tip, it was an inch too long. So it wow. wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't anyway. have mattered. Yeah. But wow. That, that stupid. F- so, Mur- so Murphy's got the record for that shark? No, well, my, it's my record. I it's yeah. your record. My record. Oh, so you yeah. were on the you yeah. were on the I was on the rock. Okay, yeah, right. Murphy was Murphy. Was, I thought, I, right. I Murphy thought you was said the Murphy threw right. the No, the Murphy was the captain. But uh, okay. Mur- Murphy tied the leader. So you, you threw both flies. I threw both flies. Yeah, I did the whole thing. And I was having a great time. But it was so cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. That had that. 
held up for a long yeah. time too. But it was uh, yeah, that was a, a very memorable fish. Yeah, right. Especially yeah, that, getting cool. it in with no gaff. So people go sharpening. Oh, I caught all these fish on sharp. Right, exactly. To use a gaff. Yeah, right. <laughs> so okay. I just got to say something. Yeah. Are we getting ready to wrap it up? Yeah, maybe in a few minutes. All right. Why? Well, we don't have to. I mean, Pat. We, I've known here. Yeah, I've you known you did, for we're, we're no time limit twenty something. Even though Yanni years, wants to go home, yeah. but. you know, I met Pat. Pat <laughs> called me. Pat called me when we, we were, we're all in no going. hurry. We don't have to right. wrap it up. Just so for Pat the audience listening, so don't keep turn this off. About right, 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 right. Don't so turn it off, audience. I had I had known Pat. I had known of Pat for years because of the IGFA book and all this. Wow, this guy Pat bore the White Marlin record, and that was the one that really intrigued me. So, in the in um. 2001 or so, I did this tournament in Brazil for the Peacock Bass. Mm -hmm. And Pat had seen the shirt that I did. So we're all going back down to Brazil, but he's going to a different lodge or something. So in I think it was 2002, Pat's like, hey, man, he, you know, my phone blows up. It's Pat Ford. I'm like, oh, my, hey, Pat, how you doing? You know, and he's like, can you bring one of those shirts? I'm going down to Brazil. So I met him in the airport. And gave him one of the shirts, and then he went off. That's to where that. you guys met for the first time. Yeah, yeah. In, in in the airport, he was going with R River Plate, right? Yeah, right. And I went with the Rio Negro Lodge, and we did the second year of the tournament, and then I think then after fished, that, River Plate was fished, terrible. So I right, went, right, right, right. But I just got to say, Pat, it's been 22 years that I've known you, mm -hmm. and you know you've enhanced my life incredibly, and you've been a really dear friend, and it's a good. pleasure to Thank know you. you, my good man. You know, you guys are going to make me cry. This is a beautiful moment. Hey, it's great. I mean, no, that's I, I told cool. him that's, this that's before, bullshit. too. But, you know, it's, that uh, really is. I have to pay you him know? 20 bucks every time he says that. So that's the problem. <laughs> hey. No, but he's been a dear friend. We've had a lot of, I mean, we've, we've been, been all Seychelles, over. Galapagos, Africa. We've been Brazil, all over. All over. You know, Panama. I mean, we've had the pleasure of fishing together a lot. And I just wish we got to do that Russia trip. Yeah, we had it all set up to go with for Matt the Atlantic Harris. salmon with Matt Harris uh, yep, to yeah. uh, Yokonga Lodge or someplace. Screw else. that do now. You know who, do you know who Matt Harris is? No. You need to look at his stuff They're on Instagram. He's got some books out. He's got a book out. Yeah, there. he's yeah, the British cool. version. The British guy you're talking about. British yeah, version yeah. of me. Yeah. Okay. He does the same thing. Goes around and travels yeah, and yeah. takes photographs and writes articles. Real and proper, He's a professional photographer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Funny guy. Fantastic. Funny guy. Nice he, guy. He's caught everything under the sun on fly. I mean, But he's really, really, he loves Atlantic salmon. Yeah. He had this whole trip to Russia set up yeah. for us. And then, oh, I guess it was... 21 or something, and we What's thought COVID name? was over, but it right. wasn't. No, and... it's Biden. Biden. <laughs> it was our boy. Oh, you got said in... the B word. Yeah, he got elected, and that was the end of us going to Russia. So when, well, they, when they edit the show, yeah. like when you say it could beep, when you say right. Biden. Right, good. So. Please. Are you serious? No. Oh, I was about to say, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, that was it. We, we we got the I got the well, we email got from Henry Mountain and Henry said sorry the trip's canceled they're doing away with that whole week you know we're just uh, and yeah, come on it's politically we motivated. had a special we had a special yep. deal because they were trying to open up a fall season yeah. mm -hmm. and Matt was telling me he said look all the fish are in the river they're just sort of colored up because they're in their spawning colors but they're all there every fish that's come in the river since right. June is still in the river because they spawn in in september so we right. were going to go right before the spawn yeah and uh he says there's 30 40 pound fish in this river right and we had it all set up and i think covid got us the first time yeah and then we were going to roll it over and then everything just went to hell in a hand went to hell, yeah. they actually they sent us our money back which yeah. I was amazed yeah. me really yeah. yeah 
That's kind of nice. Because this was really a strange place to get to. I don't know how you get to. Yeah, we flew to what, like uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg, Murmansk. I think we were sort of closest to Murmansk. And then we had to take a private plane out there. Wasn't the CCA selling one of those, a trip like that before? Not that I know of. No, I thought they had a Russia trip on the list at one point. But anyway, listen, Carlene's probably going to laugh at me because. A sentimental moment can't come across this table without right. me getting involved in it. Are so, you going right. to cry? I am. Okay, let bit. me get my video. Hold on. Go ahead. No. no. Um, I'm not going to cry. It's cool. No, I, I really just want to th- say thanks to both of you guys. Really. Yeah, since, since, we're, since we're on the topic, you know, we talked before the show, right? Mm-hmm. About, like, you know, expressed my love for Pat be- before we came on. But no, it's an honor to have you on. I mean, I mean. As an artist, you know, just creatively speaking, you know, you're one of the most respected guys um, there is out there, especially in my mind. So the fact that you're here today is really special for me. Thanks. Uh, it's and, a lot of fun. I enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy and, talking and this to is, you. This, you know, this is the second yeah. time yeah. that we're meeting. You know, what I mean? you're not the first, but it's really the first time we're actually having like a full conversation. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of cool. And Rufus, I have to say, on so many levels, thank you for always supporting this studio. Hey. And for always supporting our endeavors here, you really have from like the very beginning. I can't even remember when we met. You know what I mean? It, but it's just yep. like one of those organic relationships yep. that, that just kind of happened, and and it's just really, really been cool knowing you over yeah, the years. It's my pleasure, and, and it's yeah, an honor knowing you. I, 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 and you do a lot of good stuff. Your artwork speaks for itself, and you're punched into all the right, you know, stuff and conservation and. All, all of that is just so important, and 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 to have a platform like you have to be able to get the yeah, word this out is really there, a, this is really a good th- deal. You've, so you've done so much yeah. with this, just getting the word yeah. out, and even if it's a couple of old derelicts like us right. talking about it. Listen, I do and it all. Hey. I honestly, I, I hate to sound corny and cheesy about it, but I, I really do it out of love. Yeah, I really do. I, yeah, I we really all do. truly just yeah. yeah, we all do. We right? all do. We There's no money in any of this. That's space. We just love this. You know what I mean? Love the people, and 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 to me, that's why we need to connect by water. You know, because that's, that's what it really made sense yep. to us, that name. Hey, because that's you, what it really comes down to. We're all if you don't fish or hunt, I don't trust you and have nothing to talk to you about. <laughs> so it's just real simple Yeah, you can leave me. the hunting out of it, too, well, I actually. mean, hunting's, hunting's at least a, rever- a reverence for the nature and, and respect for the animals and conservation. So I'm good with it, you know? You can't release it after you put a no, bullet in it, No, you can at least eat it, you know? Yeah, you can <laughs> eat it, yeah. You know where I'm coming with that one, yeah. you know? So you but take no, a picture of it, it it's, walks away, I mean, and you, you know, still have look, a photograph. Ducks Unlimited has done a lot for that. You know, uh, turkeys, you know, the National Turkey Federation, all of it has done huge amounts of, you know, aware, created awareness and conservation stuff and, and you know, dictated policy and so forth to, uh, yeah. you know, further these species. You know, it's interesting you say that, you know, with the, the art and taking a picture of it and everything like that. Cause I really do feel that way after I finish a piece, I really just feel like I actually caught a fish mm-hmm. or yeah. really just feel it, feel like, you know, you just achieved like an adventure or something like that. Yeah, you've That's had why I paint week. fish really is yeah. just, it, it puts me in yeah. rather than going out and catch them, which, you know, we'll go out right. and hunt and catch them and fish and everything like that. But, but creating one yeah. on your own, I mean, there's well, a high like that comes same from thing that. with the photographs yeah i don't really need to catch another tarpon right certainly don't need to catch another two pound bonefish or a three pound redfish i mean i've done all of that for 50 60 years down yeah. here now and uh you know i want to get the world's best photograph of them so yeah. i just like to sit in the boat and you know and with my camera and, and get through all the camaraderie and everything else and uh, let the other guy catch the fish yeah and uh it's funny because I don't tournament fish anymore, right? Like, he's yeah. tournament. I'm, I'm like, 
my thrill on that is gone, right? No, and, 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 and that adds a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, and and now like and honestly, with the business, I don't really nearly fish as much as I used to right. anyway. Well, you can't. But now yeah. with with my son and my daughter, you know what I mean. We're yeah, going you'll fish. start getting them out. It's we're going. I'm going world. fishing Thursday uh, with Bill Lapree. Right? Oh, awesome! Yeah, so we're going fishing awesome. with Bill on Thursday, and I'm kind of hoping to get my son's first clown knife. You know what I mean? Because it would be kind of cool. Yeah. But the last couple of times, I, I took my son out fishing like. A, over like three times in the past couple of weeks, bass lure fishing. For a nine-year-old, it's kind of tough, especially yeah. this time of year. They're not really hitting yeah. the lure, you know what I mean, stuff like that. So I called Bill. I said, listen, this kid said something that's really just sent a knife through my heart last right. time we went fishing. He goes, yeah, what was that? He goes, I'm bored. And I went, <gasps> yeah. no. I, 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 I dialed yeah. Bill fast. I'm like, I don't care what we catch. We just got to get him catching right, something, right. you know, because we'll go out. We'll go on his little Carolina skiff. And he'll get the shiners out. We'll catch fish all day long. My son's yep. love is going to come back for it right now. I'm like, yep. I'm going to repair that situation right off the bat. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like my mode on right. fishing right now. I've really, got a, the, that's where I'm at you. with it. Yeah, they, this, don't want, they don't want real big fish. They just want lots of them. That's it. This is what happened with my son is that I took him fishing as a kid. We, you know, we went offshore. We did this. We did that. He caught some, you know, stuff snook and this and that and and he might have wound in a little dolphin or whatnot and then one day i said you want to go fishing and he went no yeah so i said all right i'm just gonna leave it you know and there was a several year period probably two and a half or three years where you know i'm gonna go fishing what do you now nah, i'm good dad i'm gonna go do something with my buddies you know i'm gonna go you know play basketball or whatever you know and um then one day I heard the words that I'll never forget. Hey, Dad, will you teach me how to fly fish? Really? I just vapor locked, man. And yeah. I went and I grabbed an eight weight, took him out in the backyard, and I sat him down and I said, you know, like this and gave him the rod. And I mean, he took it in, by the end, in, in an hour, he was still on 50 feet. Great. And he was 12, you know? Yeah. 11 or 12. And, and then, you know, I took him to Louisiana. He got redfish on. He tied his own fly. Caught his first big, you know, 25-pound redfish on his own fly. Then I took him to Australia. He caught black marlin, sailfish, golden trevally on fly, and barramundi, and, you know, um, God, what the hell, those uh, proper estuary cods, like a local mm -hmm. life grouper, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's been hooked. Now he lives in Costa Rica. He mates. He's spearfishing, shooting 130-pound yellowfins, wiring blue marlin, you, yeah, sailfish. Yeah, you back, listen, man, I named you marlin. You're going yeah, right, to catch yeah, fish. Right. Please don't be a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, he turned out okay. Yeah, oh he my did. God. I'm proud of my boy. He's doing really good. Yeah. You know, I mean, he bit off a foreign country and went down there and, and working with a good crew, 64 Viking. They're building a 70-foot Mark Willis. <sighs> what yeah. a beautiful boat that's going to be. You know, he he looked. He believed in himself so much. He bought a townhouse down there. Yeah, said, that's I'm great. good. I'll I'll hang, I'll hang here for a while. And if it doesn't work out, I can rent it or sell it. And I said, God, man, that's just good thinking, son. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's been proud, so nice proud, having proud you guys in here. So yeah, nice it's having been you. Fun great to be here anytime. Yeah, seriously. Yep. I think Nick. I think we need to name this episode "Lords of the Flies." Yeah, right. <laughs>
I think that's been taken. Yeah. Has it been? Yes. Yeah, Lord, that's, Lords, uh, Lords of that's, the Flies. That's well, Lord I know they of have the fly, Flies. I know they have Fly Lords. That's uh, Monty uh, Burke's book. Yeah. Fly Lords, what? Lords of yeah. the Flies. All right. Maybe it's been taken. Anyway, you guys get, you guys, my, you guys come, get my point. Away something. You guys get my point. Old farts yeah. talking about fishing. Will yeah. The title. White haired. Yeah. White. The gray beard. I'm going to pull the gray some, beard. I'm, I'm going to yeah. pull some beards out. The, the white tie. The other one more thing right. about about the Galapagos trip is we're walking up and down the town because we'd go out from the hotel. We go to different restaurants every night. Right. And we're walking along. And first of all, there's a mural on the side of a building of Charles Darwin. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on we a second. Have that. Yep. Be- before you get that there, before you get, I think I know where you're going. Okay. okay. Finish your story. Finish your story. All right. It looks just like Rufus. Just like Rufus. I mean, just exactly like Rufus. <laughs> you take his hat off, all big bushy beard. So Rufus has got his own mural down in yeah, San Cristobal, right. <laughs> the side this of one? a building. And, uh, and the second thing yes. is, he's walking around and all the little kids are staring at him. And then they'll point at him and they'll go, Papa Noel. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Noel. And then and then he's yelling at the kids, leave me alone. I hate no. you. You know, and stuff yeah. like I that. Go, You're not getting anything. You're not I go, your ho, mother. ho, ho, ho. And they yeah. put the camera on me. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's the Rufus. mural right there. That's yeah. Rufus. Yeah, that's Charles there you go. Darwin. There you go. That, there you that's, go. that's it right there. That's and that's Rufus. actually, that actually brings us, uh, I think Carlene had a question all teed up from Bill Pino. Right for you. He was asking what you did down in the Galapagos to have yourself, your face on a mural on the yeah, wall. Right, That's yeah. What story goes behind that one? Inquiring minds would like to know. I wish I knew. Well, I guess me and old Chuck, you know, <laughs> we kind of look the same. Oh, so, Chuck but Darwin. Char- Charles Darwin. Old Chucky Darwin. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that and the 47 kids that were following him around the entire <laughs> trip. No, I mean, so the little kids would go, Papa Noel. Really? And their eyes would get really big. And I turn around and, and they point, and I kind of give them a little, <laughs> and they'd go, <laughs> and they'd run off to their mom and dad, and their mom and dad would look at me and kind of wink and smile, and yeah, go, you know, really? give them a little thumbs That's up, cool. you know, just because you know, I mean, I, you know, we all if know you've how, got it, sure, we, you we got it, flaunt it. We yeah. all know how that story ends, you yeah, know? right? Yeah, you become like fourteen and or, or these days eight. And yeah. there is no Santa Claus, you know, that kind of deal. So well, I hope my I, kids don't listen to this episode. I'll work with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can bleep, bleep, bleep. You can bleep that one out. Yeah, that's but all no, good. But no, you know, it's... Uh, and then the one kid, I, you know, I said, I, I asked Javier, how do I tell him you got to be a good kid all year? And Javier told me in Spanish, you know, and I turned around and said, and he went... Yeah. And his parents are like, oh, thank you, thank you. God yeah. knows what you said to him. Yeah, right. No, because Javier told me. And I know. It's all like, good, God but... knows what he told you to say. So. I will right. spare your family. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's never oh, a dull moment. God. I can't yeah. recommend that trip too highly. That, it's awesome. That and the fads trips down oh, in the, the, fad trips. the Blue Marlin. Yeah. Uh, yep. the, the guys cool. from... Uh, uh, for Casa Vieja Lodge, David Salazar has got the hooker down there now. Yeah, he's got he's the hooker it. in Capos, and then Jake Jordan runs a great set of trips. And Javier's out. got yeah. a, a boat yep. doing that yep. too. Javier's got yeah, a and, boat. And let's Javier's not forget- using Harry Gray's old boat, the is Carib it? Sea. Yeah. Okay. And let's not forget about Mike Sheeter down there. He's got to run in the zone outfit. Down yeah, in well, that's in Guatemala. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is on the other coast. This is the bad in Costa Rica. Yeah. But the uh, Bob, Bob Carter goes out I thought there. About yep. the, never mind. Yeah. No, we're talking no, about the, the fads. Fads. Yeah. fads. This is, but 
we went down there and we each caught like a 300 pound blue marlin on a fly rod with IGFA tippets. Mm-hmm. Now it's not like you could have gaffed them and put them in a boat or something, but no. we get it. I mean, you got the leader on the tip and yep. you got the fish right next to the boat and it's 300 yep. pounds. And that's like the Super Bowl of fishing. There's it like is. nothing that I've caught that has been like those giant blue marlin. It's absolutely line. fantastic. You know, and once again, you come back to a 12 inch shock tippet and 18 inch class tippet. And it's all that far away from it's all the fish IGFA and it's a 300 pound fish. From of those hats and it's yeah. just a really So you got to you know, pretty much hook them. Well, it's well, all, you know, they're, yeah. J, they're J-hooks. We're fishing. We used to fish two 8-0 gamakatsus, mm-hmm. octopus hooks. Now we're down to one. And, you know, the hookup ratio is the same. Right. It. I mean, you know, you, 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 you may lose one or two here, but for the most part, it's the same. Yeah. You know, the last time I fished with Chris Sheeter, I had seven on fly in one day and we had 10 on bait in the same day. You know, so that's 17 blue marlin in one day, which seven of them are on fly. And I did spend two hours on one of them. Yeah. And we still caught 17, you but know. But they have, they have an interesting thing. In one day. They finally figured out how to catch these things. Yeah. They use no drag. It's like one pound of drag just so it won't overrun. Yep. You hook them up and you just hang on. Mm-hmm. And the thing will run off 600 yards of line and jumping all over the place. And you don't touch it. You just hold on, let it go, do whatever yep. it's doing. Then you sort of creep up on it, and you still keep it at one pound drag right. or a pound and a half or something like that for a long time. And finally, Chris Shearer goes, you can go to three pounds of drag yeah. now. I think it's a 300-pound right. fish. Three right. Pounds right. The drag is like right. nothing. But it's all the direct drive reels. So direct drive reels over. and a 500-grain shooting head. Yeah. So we're fishing such a light drag, and the boat's in reverse, and you're just kind of creeping line on the reel. That line starts to sink below the fish, and the fish stay up top. And I know some of the guys who were fishing like four and six and eight pound conventional tackle would use a piece of cable about that long, 800 pound cable into a, you know, haywire twisted 12 foot section of 15 or 18 wire, 19 wire. And that's the same thing as a 500 grain shooting head. It would sink below the fish and keep them on the surface because once they go down real far, dude, they're going to break off on four, six or eight. Right. And once they go down real far, get a really big giant belly in the line, they're going to break off on 20-pound tippet. Mm-hmm. But with that line staying like that below them, it keeps them up. It's just got to pull a little bit, just a little downward pressure. And that's, believe me, that fish is one giant nerve ending. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's a nerve ending. So just that little bit of downward pressure keeps them up. And, and if they go down on you, go to free spool. Just sit back, go to free spool, let him pull out two or 300 feet of line. Mm-hmm. And I remember with Jed, I just said, go to free spool. And he's looking at me like, that's against everything I've ever thought. I said, just go to free spool, do it. Yeah, those stripes you, were taking a, you've took been Jed on, an hour you know, come on, 40 you, minutes you, on a strike You've been here for an hour. You're dicking around with it for an hour. Just go to free spool. The clock's ticking, pal. Let's go. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah. And, and in five minutes, the thing's jumping on the surface, and we get to wind, you know, catch up the slack and get back on it. And, you know, okay, there's the release. Now we got the release. So now you can just crank the drag and really pull on him. He's right there. So go hard in the paint, and maybe we'll get the release shot that we all want, you know? Sounds but good. It's been, yeah. mag- it's been magical having you guys in here. <laughs> it's good to be here. Really. Got a lot of war stories. Yeah. yeah. I like it. We got to yeah. do this again. Absolutely. Okay. Seriously. Don't invite Rufus. That way I can talk a little more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
We'll, we'll do the we'll do the Pat Ford special. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you should. Yeah. This guy's got too many stories to not have him on by himself. No, I see that. You know, he's I, yeah. just. He I is, was just agitating you. That wasn't serious. Plethora of knowledge in the fishing world. No, I think both of you are. You know? I mean, this has been. I've just enjoyed it. Yeah. Just sitting, I, I sitting love, back and hearing the stories. I love doing so. podcasts. I, I love sharing information, talking about conservation, you know, getting people motivated. Yeah. Go do something at the local level. Go yell at some county commissioner. You know, I actually, I'm you, glad you, you're you know? glad you're ending it like that you know, because yeah. I, I really think that, I mean, it's so important to us here on the show, in the studio, yeah. and what we do. I mean, we always say, like, if you paint another painting, you could do another design or whatever like that, or you take another photo. And what's it all worth at the end of the day? Like, really, what's what's the what's the matter here? Not what's the matter, right. but what's the matter here that we're getting at? And right. it truly, is conservation it at is. the end of the day, and, and, and that's really the, that's really that's, kind of the goal of the show. Yeah, but the yeah, artwork and the photography and the articles and the podcasts and stuff—that's all just bringing the knowledge of what's yeah. going on right. yeah. out to the public and. You know, there's not a lot one person can do, but if there's right. enough noise, maybe someday something will happen. Right. I mean, yeah. The Bonefish Tarpon Trust has now gotten a sanctuary for where the permits spawn off Western Dry Rocks. Yeah, Western mm-hmm. Dry Rocks. Yeah. And they've got a whole bunch of the same things in the Bahamas where they're, they're in the Bonefish spawn. They've got off limits and stuff. And, yep. you know, it's just a question of just doing it one niche at yeah. a time. Yep. So it'll yeah, add up. Bonefish Tarpon Trust, I mean, Billfish Foundation, yep. CCA, Coastal Conservation Association, you know, and Captains for Clean Water, like all great organizations mm-hmm. yep. to get involved with. Yep. I mean, they're all doing the work, you yep. know, and, you know, get involved. There, there are things you can do. Absolutely. You know, there's plenty that you can do, actually. Yeah. You know, um, you be, just, you know, try to be a star be, bright do-gooder. Be, I mean, for crying out loud, right. let's start, I mean, let's start yeah, at the yeah. low level there. You know what I mean? Let's, right. let's do something right. there. You know, do something I mean, to get noticed. Okay, so when I was a kid, there was George DeBay who owned a tackle store on Worth Avenue in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know him then, but he ended up moving over to West Palm. And the Palm Beach Pier that went right out from Worth Avenue when I, when I was a kid, you know, and then the pier went away in, I don't know, 67 or 66 or something. I was like four years old. And George moved over to West Palm, and I got introduced to him by my brother and a gentleman named Zed Bennett. And Zed was just, you know, a fisherman, a jetty conch. So I became a jetty conch. And I became a kid helper, which was what DeBay's little thing was with kids. He had a little business card, and his logo was the fat cat. (laughs) It was like a gray tabby cat, a big fat gray tabby cat. And he'd give you that card. And to this day, I use some of his wisdom and and really control your emotions were the three words that he said to me that have stuck with me my whole life. And the kid helper, I'd be on the Lake Worth Pier as a kid and someone would get a catfish on and I'd help them take it off. Mm-hmm. You know, or someone would drop something and I'd pick it up or, you know, just common courtesy stuff. Right. But there was a little bit of a reasoning behind it because this gentleman told me to do it, you know, and said, this will make you a better person and do it. You know, because I didn't have a father. My father had passed and so forth. So, you know, I was just a little kid doing it, and it was great. And it's, you know, those moments and those are what make this sport great and what make the conservation issue and podcast and everything to get that word out, especially to your kids and to the next generation. 100%. Well, that's really Because what, that's they really, are. That's the end game there. They're going to be the bearers of this torch. That's the end game. Yep. You know. Listen. I, I I could talk to you guys forever. 
Yeah, we're, 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 we're going to cut this short now. So yeah, right. short after four hours. Yeah, yeah. Four, <laughs> we're going to cut this. We're going to cut. This is a short version. Yeah. So um, we're going to thank our sponsors a little bit. Thanks to Joey Cardi. Thanks to Papa's PLR Rome for providing the libations today and all the support that we need um, to keep it going. Um, thanks for uh, the W sauce here for keeping our food tasty. Big when Bear. I, I love the, that stuff. Yeah, the Bear Holman's, you know, and they got the new breakfast sauce out. So, oh, let me, let me see yeah, that. It's kind of cool. And, um, breakfast sauce. Yeah. So, Aaron Burton. Thanks bear. for joining us. Thanks Thank for, you for coming up. Thanks for you driving Our up pleasure. from Miami and you guys meeting to meet me in the middle from Jensen Beach and, and hanging out. So, all right. Thanks. We're going to end this how we always do. Your ego is not your amigo. Always do your best. And at the end of the day, just let God do the rest and do not ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're all connected by water. Thank you. True.